Superman isn't brave. He's smart, handsome, even decent. But he's not brave. Now, listen to me. Superman is indestructible. And you can't be brave if you're indestructible. My name is Merely Ducard, but I speak for Raz Al Ghul, a man greatly feared by the criminal underworld. A man who can offer you a path. At least you think I need a path. Whatever your original intentions, you have become truly lost. On what path can Raz Al Ghul offer? The path of the League of Shadows. <laughs> Vigilantes. No, no, no. The vigilante is just a man lost in the scramble for his own gratification. He can be destroyed or locked up. But if you make yourself more than just a man, if you devote yourself to an ideal, and if they can't stop you, then you become something else entirely. Which is... Legend, Mr. Wayne. Six minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this, the month of July, in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. The talker, this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming along. It is uh, Wednesday, and welcome to Day 12. It's 503-733-2970 if you'd like to join us today. We are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Uh, where tomorrow night, that is tomorrow night, tomorrow night, tomorrow night, tomorrow night, uh, at, uh, well, tomorrow night, Friday morning, 12.01, Friday morning, uh, the AM 970 Portland premiere of The Dark Night, happening tomorrow night, happening, uh, I don't know, 36 hours from now, 37 hours from now. Uh, so we'll talk more about The Dark Night in just one moment. It's 503-7, did Tim's phone just ring? For the second time, That's like twice ever. in two days. Uh-oh. Maybe he's coming to a family fortune. No, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. It's 503-733-2970. Well, Tim, I've got good news and bad news. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 if you'd like to join us today. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the tedious, the groundbreaking, the mundane, the difference between the uh, differences between, uh, you know, Whatever. The differences between those things are sometimes uh, not as obvious as they uh, sometimes appear. So he is there to uh, screen your calls and pass them along as only he can do. It's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. Uh, it is Wednesday. So without further ado, we will say that, yes, Sarah Dillon saw The Dark Knight last night. No, I don't know anything about it. I didn't. Uh, in fact, we talked at, what, like 5, 6, 7 o'clock, something like that, because you were trying to figure out how to get yes, to the I theater? I didn't know what theater it was at. And so and I explicitly warned you in our phone conversation not to get drunk and call me later on. And you didn't. So good mm -hmm. for you. 
Because I knew that you didn't plan on telling me anything about the film, but I could see you going to see The Dark Knight and then going out and having many beers. I uh, did go have a couple of cocktails afterward, but it, was just, it just takes so much out of you. You know, it's two and a half hours long, so by the time we got out, it was like almost two, uh, like 12.30 in the okay. morning. Okay, and can I tell you this, and I know this sounds creepy, so I apologize for that in advance to, you know, everybody. But so I was laying in, uh, awake in bed last night thinking about you because <laughs> I was... That's so creepy. <laughs> here's, well, here's the thing, because I went to bed at like midnight, uh-huh. and so I'm laying there before I'm drifting off to sleep. I was thinking about the dark night, and I was thinking how weird it was that at, you know, you think about that, you're like, at this moment, blah, 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 is happening somewhere else. Uh-huh. And so I looked over the clock just as I was getting, you know, falling asleep, and it was midnight, and I thought, because now you were still in the theater mm-hmm. at that point, right? Good yeah, we got, we got out at, I think, like 12, 20. Yeah. So, I mean, I did have that sort of moment, like, at this moment, the secrets of the dark night are being spilled to many people, including Sarah X. Dillon. All right, well, we'll talk more about it here in just a second. Okay. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. Uh, Lisa Desjardins going to be joining us later on today. Steve Kastenbaum joining us from New York City. We'll find out what, if anything, he stole from Yankee Stadium while at the All-Star Game yesterday. Uh, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent James Roop in Los Angeles, who has news of the Manson family. Um, what else? Dorothy Carcassari, I think, is going on vacation this afternoon. I think she's going to Cabo. Uh, and so but we're going to talk to her today because she's not going to be here tomorrow, I think. Is that right? Hey, Richie, Dorothy Carcassari today before she goes on vacation? <laughs> it's just like taking a subway into the Bronx where you only catch, like, every fifth word. Uh, all right, so that's coming up uh, today. Uh, we'll do the... I keep saying we'll do the top five, and I mean we got to do it this week because after like after Friday it's going to be pointless. Uh, so we'll try to get to the top five uh, today. We will be giving away a pair of tickets to the Dark Knight, though. That's coming up later on in the program. Uh, we'll be finding out exactly how much you know about Richie Bristol. We'll be taking the Richie Bristol quiz uh, for a pair of tickets to see the Dark Knight. Uh, so that's coming up later on today as that's well. Genius. Did you come up with that? I did. I wrote it. I wrote it myself this morning. I can, did you yourself know the answers to the I did. Richie Bristol quiz? Here's what I've done, and this is and this is the way the Richie Bristol quiz is going to work. We'll do this uh, later on in the day. Uh, is that I will give you three facts about Richie Bristol, one of which is false, and you have to pick the false one. Right there. Tell me I don't know how to contest. Uh, so we'll do that uh, later on. Let's see. Uh, we were going to play this worst song you've ever heard on our last week. And I mean, it was bad, but it wasn't like the worst thing ever. It really wasn't the worst song you'd ever heard. It was simply, it was simply terrible. I mean, it wasn't like off the charts horrific. I've got an off the charts horrific one today, though, and it's the one that you, Tim, you were telling me about it yesterday. You gave me, do you remember yesterday giving me the uh, that printout about that terrible song? Do you even know what I'm talking about, or is it slipped oh. your brain already? Okay, doesn't matter. We'll play it later on today. We have another installment of It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard to Get To, and uh, your emails, and uh, and so forth. Uh, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. Battleground man opens fire on a debt collector. A Tacoma convenience store customer punches out a robber. Northwest Natural Gas says beware. They're going to request an outrageous rate increase. A man is charged with biting off his brother-in-law's eyebrow. A pizza parlor worker is robbed by who turns out to be her own dad. The carcass of a great white shark is found in the Massachusetts beach. Attention, Richie. A Vegas stripper still takes it all off at the age of 80. Solicitation charges are dropping for a 94-year-old Florida man. Andy Dick is arrested for underage groping. And Portland hosts a weekend of yodeling. 
Well, okay then. Let's talk about Andy Dick for just one second here. Let's talk about the worst mugshot that I've seen all week. <laughs> it's a pretty good one. And that really is saying something. Uh, I was talking to Big Jim from from KUFO, and it was it's this mugshot is sort of like. I mean, I can't even really... It, it, it's sort of like a really emaciated Brent Spiner from Star Trek The Next Generation, sort of crossed with the with, Joker with, with no makeup. with Phil Spector's hair. With Phil Spector's... I mean, you've... I mean, just imagine this photo looking at... Imagine this picture uh, is sort of appearing in front of you. This face looking in your window late at night. Uh, you can go to thesmokinggun.com and see this, by the way. Uh, so we'll talk more about it. Have you posted it? Did mm. you say you posted it? Yeah. Yeah, that's the first thing I did this morning. So if you go to sarahxdillon.com, you can see this uh, this picture of Andy Dick. All right. Um, all right. So before we do... Uh, so th- th- we should talk about The Dark Knight a little bit, uh, which I have not seen, by the way. I am one of the common people. I will be seeing it uh, Thursday night, tomorrow night with everybody else. Uh, but the number of people inside this building who have seen The Dark Knight is growing by the moment. So uh, this will be uh, obviously spoiler-free. We won't talk about you know, we'll talk about anything that happens because I don't know anything that happens in the movie. And even after we've seen it Thursday night, uh, you know, we'll keep our discussion spoiler-free. And if we if we do veer, and we'll give it like a two-week moratorium, right? Uh, yeah. And if we veer close to anything that looks like it's going to be a spoiler, we'll obviously give everybody like a heads-up kind of in advance. So that being said, you saw it last night, Sarah Dillon. Your initial thoughts on The Dark Knight? Go. It's one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. Really? Really, and I'm not kidding. It is beautiful and messed up and hilarious and touching and beautiful. It's it's what it is so good. I heard that the, uh, the, the there's just some tracking shots in that movie where the camera is going through the city and where it's just this. Because I saw an IMAX theater. I've never seen I've never ever seen filmmaking like that. I have never seen shots like that. I have never yeah. seen such crystal clear, beautiful footage of yeah him flying through the city the way that they did that you can and just to, let me say for the record there is absolutely no cheese ball cgi really there are a couple parts when um there are things that that uh, that obviously they might have been done by cgi right. but i don't even know how they did them right. and not one thing and it doesn't jump off the exactly. screen it's like hey i'm corny computer animation nope instead anything that it's like what i am legend tried to do uh, oh okay it is it is. I'm all excited. I'm, I, there are no words. You're speechless. No, honestly, and uh, Heath Ledger was amazing. Really? Was he? Was it? Was it? Fantastic? I was most. Was um, what's that guy's name? Uh, Aaron Eckhart. Yeah. Genius. Yeah. All of them. Everyone was genius. It, because there's less. I mean, I, again, I don't know anything about the movie, but I've it, I've heard that there's actually sort of less Batman in this than there was in Hardly Batman any... Begins because there's no because it's not an origin story. It's just nope. you jump right into it. It's just and and it's not afraid to go places where you wouldn't expect it to, and it's just it's really dark and it's you know and we were discussing it after the fact, and there really isn't a lot. It's not gory, right? But it's extremely violent. Yeah. But in um, a badass way where you don't see it coming, and like and that little motorbike thing that he has. The, the bat pod. Dude, it is so cool. Seriously, I, I just geeked out. Like, we went and sat at a bar after for two hours and, and just sat and talked it. about it. Who did you go with? Uh, with my friend Chris Weaver. All right. So this is so you just sat and just nerded out about it yeah, afterwards? Yeah, we just sat for like two, two and a half hours and could not stop babbling about it. And we couldn't talk to anybody else because nobody of course, else had seen we, it. Because no one knows what you know. But I was wearing my I Believe in Harvey Dent uh, t-shirt. Right. And, yeah, I, I bumped into a couple of listeners last night and they're like, oh my God, how was it? I'm like, I'm for you. Yeah. It was awesome. So let's see. So within the building now, so you have seen it. Chris Paddock has seen it. Fat Boy and Court have seen it. Aaron and Scott have both seen it. I can't wait to see it again. On uh, that Thursday. was and see that was going to be my next question. Is that sort of the make or break question? So you having seen the Dark Knight last night, are you still excited uh, to see it uh, tomorrow uh, with, with, at the station premiere? It is. It's I, I can't even you can't even 
Yes, A. Yes, I'm excited to see it. But I can't even put into words exactly what kind of movie it is. Like, if it's a if it's a thriller, if it's a horror film, if it's an adventure, it's just all those things squished into one beautifully packaged movie. And, oh. All right, then. Well, that's all. all right. I'm just saying you won't even be able to control yourself. I think your head will explode. Actually. Really? And that's and I'm not, and I the mean, final scene, and it's not cheese It's not cheese ball at all, and the, and the, the way that it ends uh, all right. Oh, Dude. see, now we have to be careful. I was just going to gibber myself into a frenzy, and I still got a whole day before I could see no, that. I can't I, even see it tonight. And I, um, so I was sitting with Chris, and then uh, on my other side, I was sitting next to um, Dan with Joker phone. Dan. Right, yeah. Yeah, and so the whole time, like, we would be hitting each other because we've been following, because Chris is like a, a, a fan of it, but not as. Well, you've been following all the viral marketing and all of like the, everything, yeah. So Dan and I kept, like, poking each other. I'm like, oh, my God, you said you were just over talking about that. Like, uh, it was just a total nerddom. It was great. There was not, oh, also, not one single person the entire two and a half hour movie got up to go to the bathroom really they just stayed in their seats everyone stayed in their seats there was not a cough a sneeze there's not anyone moving everyone just stayed in their seats excellent it was ridiculous because they're like you know 200 people in there i've heard and this is you know people you got to be really careful with this kind of thing because it's been so anticipated and there's so much hype and of course the heath ledger factor which nobody likes to I talk oh, about but which we all know is you know and let me tell you did you, you one forget thing? he was dead i forgot he was dead it didn't <laughs> it did not occur to me the entire movie because he is not heath ledger he is like a monster because he's because he's the joker he's i mean you i mean he is a really good actor and here's was, the thing and i and i haven't seen it yet but i mean I know that you're not supposed to say this. I know that this sort of thing sounds horrific, but you got to admit, in some horrific way, it's kind of a cool. It's kind of a cool way to go out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just. I, and I know that I'm not saying I'm glad he's dead. I'm not. Please, I don't want it to come off like a like a dick. So I'm not saying that like I mean, it's cool that he's dead. But I mean, if he's leaving behind his best performance, I'm just saying if you gotta go, why not go in a way that's a little dramatic and stylish? You know what I'm saying? It's you know it, you know it's sort of like um. Uh, it, it's it's like at the end of the commitments, uh, and the commitments, you know, 20 years old, so it doesn't matter. At the end of the commitments, everything in the band, the band has all this great potential, but at the end of the commitments, which is a fantastic movie, the band sort of implodes and splinters. And, and uh, um, it, you know, and Jimmy is sort of lamenting to Joey, uh, Joey Fagan, he's he's lamenting the fact that the band sort of imploded and never went anywhere. And, um, and Joey says, well, sure, we could have been famous and made albums and stuff, but that would have been predictable. This way, it's poetry. You know, and there's a certain something to be said for that. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, it's sort of a, you know, sort of like, a, what is that band? Um, is it? Is it the Germs, that band in L.A., where it's like they put out their first record, and it's like the day they put out the record, the lead singer died? The lead singer, like Darby Crash just died of an overdose the day the record comes out? Oh, I, don't know. I mean, it's just, and I'm not trying to be morbid about it, but there's a certain sort of kind of awful, perverse, sort of dark rock and roll poetry uh, to that, so... All right. Well, only, yeah, that, like it's, it's so close to perfect. When he comes, I have to ask you this one more question. So, yeah. so the and I don't want to know how, exactly how it happens because I think I think I know, but I don't know for sure. What is the what what is the word you would use to describe the moment in the movie when the Joker first appears on screen? <laughs> I mean, is it just is it, it is it just electric when he when he first comes on? It's genius. See, I don't ever see it you at a loss for words. You're never like that. No, it's it's. I I dreamt about it last night. I talked about it all. Like it was the first thought on my mind this morning. We could not stop talking about it, and like just the symbolism in the movie itself, and also like what the different circumstances, right. how they unfolded, what they represented, and what like Batman represents. God, that's such a door. Right. And what like Batman represented and stuff. Yeah, the Joker. That first scene is. Okay. It's one of the best scenes of the movie. That's uh, all very exciting. Man, but I, I'm just saying, I'm not... And I was also prepared to... I was I was hesitant with Heath Ledger's performance, because I'm like, oh, everyone's going to be like, oh, it's the greatest performance ever, because right. he's dead. Right, right. 
It was that good. I it, heard was, the, it was good. The, I read a review this morning. I think it was the New York Times. It said even if you were to, to, to somehow magically remove from from your head the fact that Heath Ledger is dead uh, and all of the hype, he said that it still lives up to everything. Mm. And everybody, uh, I've heard, I've read several reviews now where people compared it to either The Godfather 2 uh, or they've compared it to Empire Strikes that Back, is which is really so... like the highest praise you can give anything is to call it Empire That's or insane. Godfather 2. I was talking to someone when I was talking to Crystal. I'm like, I'm like, holy crap! This reminds me of a sequence from The Godfather. Uh... Like, there's this one part happening. Where all these things are kind of happening at the same time, and it's like a pinnacle point of The Godfather. I made that same comparison. But I am saying it's not like... The one thing that did annoy me, though, is just Christian Bale when he does his Batman voice. I'm brooding. It kind of... That always just kind of bothers me. It sounds like he has a mouthful of marbles a little bit. I think part of that is him trying to cover up his accent, too, uh, because he has that... Because he's British, I think. Well, he wears fake teeth when he's Batman, right? Uh, I don't know. I thought he did because his mouth looks different. All right. Well, it's all very exciting. So if you... uh, It's awesome. The the premiere is happening tomorrow night at the AM 970... uh, premiere of The Dark Knight happening uh, tomorrow night at the Regal Cinemas in Tigard. You can find out more. You go to rickemerson.com or go to 970.am. You can uh, buy your ticket. And by the way, uh, I read a thing at Box Office Mojo this morning that said that there are more than 700 showings of Batman already sold. The Batman. 700 showings of Batman already sold out. Harvey Dent calls them The Batman. Yeah. So okay. this uh, and 90% of online ticket pre-sales in the last three days have been for The Dark Knight. So of all movie tickets sold online in America in the last 72 hours, 90% of them have been for the Dark Knight. It's so let worth me. It. It's l- worth it. I really must stress this point that you need to go and you need to buy your tickets at 970.am. You go there, you look for the uh, Joker poster, you click on it. You buy the uh, tickets because we're going to be there tomorrow night at the Regal Cinemas uh, in Tiger. We're also going to be giving away uh, a pair uh, later on today. All right, uh, let's see. Well, let me read a couple of these emails and then we'll uh, take a break. We'll come back. Lisa Desjardins coming up around the corner. We'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, we'll be giving away again a pair of tickets to uh, uh, the Dark Knight. Uh, we'll play Richie Bristol trivia. We got the top five coming up: Tim Riley, Dorothy Carcassari, worst song you've ever heard, and uh, so forth. I'm just this is apropos of nothing. I just want to read this uh, subject line: Rick Emerson show may save my life one day. Rick, to add to the benefits of listening to your show, I'd like to add a level of awareness that may save my life someday. A friend was working on my house recently, and he was using a nail gun. As we were discussing how we should finish a project, I noticed that the shooting end of the nail gun was pointed at my head. I started to duck and weave. He gave me a strange look and kept the nail gun directed toward me. Your radio program was on in the background, and I pointed it out to him. I told him one of your great joys is reporting on nail gun accidents. Indeed it is, sir. And that my goal was to never, ever, ever be on the radio due to my own stupidity or due to some horrid accident involving a nail gun or a wood chipper. While the nail gun never went off, I wanted to thank you for raising my awareness to the dangers in common tools. I am certain that one day this awareness will save my life or save me from horrendous accident. Uh, once again, the Rick Emerson Show has improved my life. That is from a guy named Dennis. So there you go. Thank you. Oh, by the way, uh, speaking of things with which we're fascinated, so we are making, we have made just the most tentative inquiries into trying to get a tour of the Oregon State uh, Mental Nuthouse Place. Uh, this is no promises. I don't know that it's gonna. I don't know that it's gonna come together. But we, we're sort of working on it. Uh, so ideally, that may happen sometime in the next uh, the next few weeks or whatever. All right, let's take a break. Back after this, uh, Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, Jim Roop, Tim Riley, all in the way. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program.
Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming by. Uh, coming up in just a few moments, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Uh, we'll play uh, Richie Bristol trivia for a pair of tickets to see The Dark Knight. Uh, that's coming up as well. It's the worst song you've ever heard, and really? so forth. Really, giving away a pair of tickets for that? Yes, we are, Sarah. Oh, that's nuts. Rick Emerson Show cares just that much about its audience. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir, madam, as the case may be. Speak for our amusement. Hey, Rick, how's it going? What's up? Well, I had an idea about uh, your next listener party, like next year or something. Yes, you could uh, arrange to have it in an abandoned uh, insane asylum. I like the way you think. That's a fantastic <laughs> idea. Maybe maybe if you could swing it um, after the DVD comes out, have a airing of The Dark Knight. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I'm seriously, I'm calling dibs on that idea right now. Does anybody, well, I guess it's too late, it's too yeah. way too early to know when the DVD release date this would yeah. even be, but, I mean, so this is what, this is July, so you got to figure maybe The Dark Knight would come out this Christmas, maybe? Maybe. Oh, uh, really? Mm -hmm. I, w I would think it'd be like a May or, like, some spring release next year. I'm sorry, you know, DVD turnaround yeah, no, times are pretty, it, it, sometimes, do you ever, like, it, look and you see that a DVD is on sale and you swear to God the movie just opened in the theaters, like, the week before? Yeah, but that's for movies like... Oh, that's for Daddy man. Day Camp 2? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, let's assume that The Dark Knight comes out on DVD sometime early in, in 09. Yeah. Uh, so in first quarter 09, as they say. Mm -hmm. I am completely calling dibs right now and having a viewing party of The Dark Knight at some, like, weird, creepy location. Yeah. That's a fantastic idea. Thank you. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. All right, You're there welcome. you go. That's like when I was in, uh, when Laura and I went to L.A. Uh, last year, and at the, the, at the Forever Hollywood Cemetery, they do that thing on Saturday nights once a month where they show a classic Hollywood film on the wall of a mausoleum. It's like the best thing ever. It, you, in, you go into the Forever Hollywood Cemetery, which is where Jane Mansfield and uh, Dee Dee Ramone are buried, and uh, there's a huge lawn area that's sort of ringed by tombstones, but there's a whole open lawn, and you go in and they have a sound system set up, and you bring like, you know, like a picnic or, you know, wine or whatever, uh, and there's I think there's like a local TV station that sponsors it, and then they project a classic Hollywood movie onto this huge white outside wall of a mausoleum. Cool. So you're sort of watching a movie out underneath the stars at night, surrounded by tombstones on the wall of a mausoleum in a cemetery. It's like the most righteous thing ever. Um, and it's all different kinds of movies. When we were there, they did The Apartment with Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine, but they always end the summer by doing Night of the Living Dead. Oh, so that's so cool. No, really, if you ever go to L.A. during the summer, you got to go to the Forever Hollywood Cemetery and see one of their movies in the cemetery. It's like the best thing that's ever happened. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From the Hill, CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you? Hi, guys. How are you? I am fantabulous. How's your day? How are things? Wow. How's life? Sunshine and roses. Are you excited for the dark night? Oh, that's right, Friday, huh? Uh, yes, a Thursday night slash oh, Friday morning. Probably have. Is there is there a, a preview that anyone's going to? Uh, Sarah saw it last I night. Saw it yesterday. Oh, no kidding! She saw it in a, she saw it in IMAX uh, last oh, night. Hi. So yeah, I, it was ridiculous. I have not seen it. Uh, I'm going to be seeing it with the people. Uh, you know, oh, as lording that over me like I'm, I'm just, not one of the people. No, I'm just saying, Sarah. Some of us. You're going to like storm the Bastille and then go see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's that's exactly how it's going to happen. Uh, right after right, right after we hang uh, Kochesko in the uh, in the courtyard. Right. Perfect. Um. No, so, so, yeah, Sarah got a chance to see it last night on an IMAX screen, and then the station is doing a premiere for it tomorrow night, and uh, everybody is uh, it's already drawing comparisons to both Empire Strikes Back and Godfather 2, so I'm trying really hard not to sort of hyper myself into a... I don't want... I don't... Yeah, 
I'm keeping it. I'm trying to keep expectations right in the middle. No, that's what it. I had to do. I just didn't even. People were like, "Oh, you're going to see it t- tonight," you know. When I was talking to him, I just didn't even let myself register the fact that I was going to see it. You just have to. You had to sort of modulate within. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oof, I can't wait. So there's that. Speaking of things that may that are coming up that you may or may not know about, uh, I know that uh, Sporbert's a Rush fan. Do you know that Rush is going to be on Colbert tonight? No. Yes, uh, Rush, the band, will be on the Colbert Report. I do believe it is tonight. It's either tonight or tomorrow. And Stephen Colbert, also Canadian. Do I have that right? No. He's com- not? completely wrong about that. Stephen Colbert is from... I of Canadians, but I thought there was some Canadian connection for him. Stephen Colbert is from South Carolina. Oh, I knew that, too. Darn uh, it. That would clearly not. I, uh, I did, and I forgot. He's from South Carolina, and the weird thing is, if you ever hear his act, like the, 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 the voice he was sort of grew up with, he does have... Uh, he has a very pronounced southern accent, um, which he worked really hard to lose because he said he learned early on that people with southern accents weren't taken seriously. And so, uh, it, 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 and he did actually, the strange thing about it is, even before he decided upon the career he now has, uh, he modeled his speaking voice after television newscasters because they work very hard at having that sort of stentorian neutral accent. Yes, yes. Uh, and then, of course, blah, 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 blah. The rest is history, yada, yada. So uh, oh, Great, though, because, you know, uh, we saw, I, I saw Rush in Maine last week. Was it packed with attractive women? <laughs> I, who's to judge? Attractive? Uh, I'm just saying, I'm figuring, I'm figuring it was you and then endless dudes everywhere, right? It was a lot of dudes. Yeah, yeah, there was the one, I spotted her, there was the one kind of could have been in an old school Motley Crue video, like <laughs> hot blonde chick with the tube top. There was one of them, and it was like, she looked really out of place, actually. Having Being one of the few women at the Rush Place, now, would you, if you like got up, when you got up to use the restroom, or when you got up to like uh, go to the beer garden or something, did you could you sense the thousands of male eyes on you as you were walking by? Yeah, in fact, at one point, well, first of all, the restroom was fantastic because there were the you know reverse line action going on and big lines for the men's room. And at one point, I was walking out to to get some beers, and these two guys were walking the other way, and I. I mean, they couldn't have even really seen me because they were sort of uh, slanted the other way. But right as I walked by, I heard one of them go, hey, there's a hot girl. (laughs) (laughs) And and I know they didn't even really see me. They just saw that I might be a girl. And you know... I mean, not that you're not a beautiful woman, but let's let's be honest, really. When you're at when you're at what uh, when you're what we might sometimes referred to as a sausage fest. I mean, you know, I mean, it was really it was intense. Yeah. I've been I seriously, I was at a Rush concert once and there was some girl who walked by and again, I you know, I I think she was attractive, but I I guess you know it's, it's all relative when you're at a place like that anyway, but I did, the girl walked by and this dude John that I was with actually said something. It was like straight out of a Beavis and Butthead cartoon. As the girl was walking by, he goes, "Hey, babe, ahoy. Check it out." That was his no. phrase. Babe, ahoy! Check it out. So <laughs> that's terrible. I was. I have never seen so many young guys, though. There were like high school kids in front of us that knew the words to a couple of songs, and actually, they weren't dweeby-looking kids. They looked like they might kind of be cool, maybe. And but I knew that they weren't. But they might. That they <laughs> might have been cool there at their high school. And one kid, I was looking at his his text on his cell phone. And I think they were texting back about the Foo Fighters and the kid right. at some point. He's like, yeah, you know, they're great, but uh, I wish I could remember how I put it. But he wrote, um, but Rush is just 
so much more complex and amazing in their sound. Yeah. Well, I, this was like a 16-year-old. So I was like, well, all right. But, you know, but we've... Much more complex sound. It's true. But I was like, wow. We, we've talked a lot on the show about, about sort of uh, so-called required listening, uh, you know, in terms of being sort of a misfit teenager. And I think depending on the kind of teenager you are, uh, there are certain books you must read, movies you have to watch, and musicians with which you must become fluent uh, as you sort of pass through the awkward stage of adolescence. And if you are a sort of bespectacled, geeky guy uh, who spends a lot of time sort of, you know, at a card table with a big bottle of, like, Fanta Orange uh, playing Dungeons and & Dragons and, you know, referring to yourself as a Valkyrie, <laughs> right. I mean, really, the, the odds are, like, 9 out of 10 that you'll have a big collection of Rush uh, stuff. I mean, it's just, it is, it's sort of like... Have you seen the movie Sky High by any chance? I have not. There's a great movie called Sky High. It's a Disney film of all things, but it's actually pretty good. And it's about a high school where the, where uh, where the children of superheroes go to develop their superpowers. Oh, I know. So it's this. it's kind of like a Hogwarts for superhero kids. Okay. And there's a great sequence where Bruce Campbell is playing this sort of gym teacher guy. And as the kids are coming in and they're all like 13 or 14, Bruce Campbell is dividing them into groups of either side uh, either superhero or side. Kick. And so the, the kid will step up to Bruce Campbell, who's totally, he's got like the uh, like the weird satiny shorts and the whistle around his neck and the baseball cap, and he says, all right, let me see your superpower. And like the one kid will like sort of clench a little bit and like laser beams will shoot out of his eyes, and Bruce Campbell will say, superhero, and they go to the left. The next kid steps up, and Bruce Campbell says, let me see your superpower. And the kid sort of like focuses and like geraniums sprout out of his ears. And Bruce Campbell's sidekick, and they go off to the other line, which is like the loser line. And so I think as you enter adolescence, you sort of get, you know, shunted into one of one of any number of sort of rows that you in which you will stay for the rest of your life. And one of them is like jock, and the other is sort of you know geek, and the other is like nerd, which is not quite like geek, but sort of like you know. And then it's like hick, uh, you know, or whatever. And as soon as you get shunted into the nerd or geek line. It's like some spirit from the great beyond appears and gives you a Monty Python DVD box set, a collection, a collection of Weird Al Yankovic records, some pewter figurines and crystal skulls with which you're to play Dungeons and Dragons, and then a copy of Rush's Chronicles uh, collection, and then you're set. So that was just a long, stupid monologue I did there. And unfortunately, and the bad news today is I actually don't have a lot of time. It's one of these crazy days where there's just a lot going on. Well, all right. Uh, give us the bullet points, if you will, about what's happening. Yeah, I say that, and now it's not so. It's just, it's actually a lot of just kind of back and forth with my bosses in Atlanta. But we are, the Pentagon, the Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman, Admiral Mike Mullen, in a news conference not long ago, came out and said that he thinks conditions are improving in Iraq to the extent where he thinks we can, again, re reduce troops this fall. And, you know, we've heard this from this administration. We know President Bush wants to, uh, I think bring more troops home if he can at all before he leaves, I think in part so that it won't be the next president who, who gets full credit for ending Iraq. Uh, of course, he said and others have said, yes, we'll have a presence in Iraq when the new president takes over. But this is a sign that the military is hoping uh, to significantly perhaps uh, decrease the troop presence in Iraq. We'll see. I don't know. And then we've got day two of Ben Bernanke on the Hill, which I have to admit cracks me up because uh, – Perhaps because it's a slow-ish news day, um, you know, I've been reporting live on this every hour since this morning, and thank goodness I don't have to do it for one more hour because I was really close to the, you know, absolute unprofessional 
Well, Harry, the truth is Ben Bernanke said the same thing that he said yesterday. But here it is. Here's here, what he said. Here, here I am passing along the same talking points that we had on Tuesday. And, you know, I will admit, it was different. House members, uh, yesterday he was at the Senate, today he's in the House. House members were much more aggressive in saying that we need more action. And in, but, but the problem here is that they're not saying what action. Generalized action uh, is what House members are calling for in dealing with the economy. One small headline, Ben Bernanke, did say that we need a comprehensive energy policy and, and that if we had one, uh, maybe that would help in the oil situation. That does sound like the title of the most tedious porn film ever, Generalized Action. <laughs> Generalized uh, as we sort of wrap this up, I just this, this one email says, uh, Rick, Lisa's story of having some random guys with a Rush concert saying there's a hot girl reminds me of the listener party roast. When Lisa was up on stage, some drunk guy behind me just kept yelling, you're so hot, you're so hot, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> so there you go. So, Although there were, you know, there were two very hot women beside me. So yeah. it was, there was a, there were some, you know. Oh, you stop it, lady. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I even forgot you were there, Sarah. I'm such a dork that I was like, oh, Sarah's there now. But well, all right then. Uh, okay, I, I know you're you're kind of under the gun, okay, so uh, we will yeah, skip. I gotta go. We'll okay. skedaddle. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, okay. Lisa. Bye. All right, there you go. Woo! Woo! All right. Hey, Richie Bristol. Uh, this is a good time to play uh, Richie Bristol trivia, I believe, because we got a few minutes here before Steve cast him up. Do we not? Oh, I believe we do. All I right. So a solid uh, let us not take uh, caller number five. At 503 We will take caller number five uh, to play Richie Bristol Trivia for a pair of tickets to see The Dark Knight. Man, after seeing The Dark Knight, like, that's a huge prize. It, it, like, quite, like, seriously, as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I can't believe you're giving away two tickets to that. Yeah. It just seems like such a big deal. Yeah, it's, uh, and, I think, and I think they are unrestricted. I mean, I think, I think the deal is you can use them for... Any, I think they are they're without restriction, you know, because sometimes like not good for features as start attractions. I think the deal with these these tickets is uh, that you can use them for any showing, and, and, and I think technically speaking, any film. I think you you are not even obliged to use them for The Dark Knight, but of course that's what you will you know use them for. Uh, so we have a pair that we will give away right now. Uh, if you uh, 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 can uh, you know be successful at Richie Bristol Trivia. Oh, and for which I put together a bed as well. So we'll. Get that here and just. Do you put together a new sounder for him so you I don't do. have to listen to the other one? Well, it's just it's just a sort of an instrumental. Let me see if I can. Um... There we go. Oh, I like that. It's just a karaoke crying game uh, thing. All right, Richie. So is this? Which call am I uh, am I picking here? I don't even think Richie's screening the calls. All right, hold on. So let me see. I'm not even sure. Richie, are you even in your room? No, that's a no. That's great. So now I have to do this. So now I have to be the call screener. All right, this is how this is how DJs you to pick them up typically there? have to do this. So you have to do, uh, hi, your caller one. Sorry about that. That, that sucks. Hi, caller two. If only you were calling later. Hi, caller three. You also win nothing. Uh, hey, caller four. That's unfortunate. All right. There it is. Hi, hello, and uh, how are you today? Good. All right, you are caller number five, my friend. Are you ready to play Richie Bristol Trivia for a pair of tickets to The Dark Knights? Sure. All right, my friend, here's how we're going to do it. I will give you three facts about Richie Bristol. One of them is false. You must correctly identify which of these Richie Bristol facts is false. All right? All right. All right. Here are your three Richie Bristol facts. At the end of this, you must tell me which I have fabricated. Fact number one. 
Richie was once incarcerated in a mental hospital for three weeks. Fact number two. Richie once threw up while having sex with a woman. Fact number three. Richie has special socks that he only wears while surfing pornography on the Internet at home. Which of those facts is false, sir? Well, I know the third one's true. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, number two. I'm not sure he's had sex with a woman. <laughs> so because of because of your uh, speculation that Richie has not known the sweet touch of the fairer sex, you believe that number two is false? True. Not yet. I don't know. He's going to Vegas and all that. We'll all right, my friend. Congratulations. That is, in fact, false. Richie has been incarcerated in a mental institution for three weeks, and he does, in fact, have special socks that he wears while surfing porn on the Internet. He, oh. however, to the best of our knowledge, has never vomited while having sex with a woman. All right. Congratulations, my friend. What is your name? Greg. Greg, you are going to see The Dark Knight at uh, Regal Cinemas, uh, courtesy of AM 970 and The Rick Emerson Show. Congratulations, my friend. Awesome. All right, I'm put you on hold. Richie, if you can get uh, his information, that would be <laughs> fantastic. Richie's in there. there. I think he he's is. back now. All right, so there you go. All right, that actually went fairly well. That was a really good, because I was, I was, even though I know that the first two are, or the first and the last one were true. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past Richie for throwing up on But, the like, if you didn't know, like, yeah. if I said to you, if I said to you, just, like, true or false, has Richie ever vomited while having sex with a woman? Like, you would, you would be sort of unsure about that. Because it does, I mean, really, and can I just tell you this real quickly, and then we'll talk. To... You've never thrown up while having sex with a woman. Is that, have you? Wait, hold on. Richie, is that true? Unfortunately, yes. Wow. Well, okay. To be fair, in my own defense, I didn't know that that was true. Well, it doesn't matter. He already, uh... They were all... Then they were all true. He did, however, pick the one that was starred. Well, that's just sad. Okay, remind me to tell you... Remind Richie story vomit. All right, we'll get the details on that later. Let me just say, we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum here in just a moment... That as I was putting this together, though, now I need feel like I need to have Richie come in and sort of fact check all of these. Um, as I was putting this together, I was thinking to myself, God, am I going to have enough horrible facts about Richie? I mean, things that are true to sort of make the contest workable. Uh, it was staggering how many just terrible or off-putting or revolting yet true things about Richie immediately came to mind. I mean, I got uh, one, two, three, four. So I got you five. You should probably have him go over the list. Probably. Who knew that he had? Who knew that he threw up while having? Who knew that he wouldn't have thrown up on a girl? I mean, I just uh, well, all right, fair enough. Anyway, but but without, I mean, without even breaking a sweat, I came up with twelve things about Richie that, for all the world, seem like they must be false, but are in fact true. Things like he was in a mental hospital for three weeks. All right. On that note, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York, CNN Radio correspondent and All Star Game uh, dude, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hello. Well, you know, Richie just sounds like a very extraordinary individual. Extraordinary is a polite way to put it, yes. Yes. Uh, and so forth. Uh, hey, how was the All-Star game, sir? Uh, long, in a word, long. Now, were, <laughs> the big question on everybody's mind is, were you or were you not able to walk out with something that said Yankee Stadium on it? I was not. Uh, alas, I was in uh, the auxiliary, auxiliary press box which was in the upper deck, the upper deck uh, tier section 22, and I was towards the very back. And if you're not familiar with Yankee Stadium, that means you're, you're very high up. The upper deck is extremely steep, which is one of the reasons why they want to do uh, away with the old stadium as, as, you know, and bring us this new one that will be a lot more user-friendly. 
So there really isn't a lot of Yankees uh, paraphernalia up there. There really isn't much up there that even says Yankees on it that would be distinguishable as uh, something from Yankee Stadium. So I had my eye out. I was looking. But uh, it's short, short of unbolting my seat and leaving with it, uh, I, there really wasn't much anything to say. Now, did you say that they're going to be taking to like auctioning a lot of this stuff off? Actually, yeah, they did. They did contract with a, a deconstruction firm, and they're not just going to be wrecking this place. They're going to be taking it apart, and basically anything that can be marketed is going to be sold. I'm sorry, I just, I'm lost inside my head now because now, I, we, given our sort of rampant discussion of American popular culture over the last 85 years or so, I, uh, I'm now wanting to get business cards uh, put together that say that I work at some sort of a deconstruction company. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a really uh, booming business these days because everything, uh, as far as, you know, buildings go, all of those materials uh, that can be recycled are recycled now, like, you know, bricks from the facades, uh, the copper wiring, uh, the piping, if it's copper piping, that'll be recycled. Anything and everything that can be recycled is these days. You know, so the construction materials, uh, anything that they can't sell from Yankee Stadium, they'll try to recycle. Did that game go 15 innings last night? Okay, I don't know what's going on, but I, I kid you not, I, I think 75% of the time that I cover a game at Yankee Stadium, it either goes into extra innings, or there's a rain delay. That means I will be there until two in the morning. Like you are, that, that's what happens. Have yeah. you considered that, that you yourself are some sort of walking chaotic force that actually causes the time space continuum to sort of rift and it strikes fifteen innings? That's almost. I mean, that's what's really good is nine. I mean, that's like a, that's that's a hundred and seventy five percent of a game. This is something that I have considered. Yet uh, there's something about Yankee Stadium that leads me to believe it's it's not me, but it's the stadium. They they. Uh, play for a long amount of time there. Their games generally are longer in Yankee Stadium than in most other American League stadiums. So last night set a record four hours and 50 minutes. It tied the 1967 World, uh, sorry, the 1967 All Star Game at 15 innings. But it was like an hour longer than that game was. <laughs> I mean, it's 15. You know, when you, when you get to about like inning 13, I mean, is that where you just start like thinking to yourself, like, I'm sitting here in the stands watching grown men hit a ball with a stick? You know what you're really thinking? This game really doesn't matter. I mean, yes, it, it, yes, it determines who's going to get home field advantage for the World Series. But, you know, other than that, it really doesn't matter at all. Well, all right then. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. I'm, uh, you know, I'm sad that you weren't able to walk out with like a folding chair stuffed into your pants. But who knows? You know, they'll tear down something else that's important at some point, and you can try to steal something from there. You know, all in all, it was a lot of fun being there. I, you know, I, I am, you know, making making light of the fact that uh, you know we were there for so long, but they had dozens and dozens of Hall of Famers out on the field. You know, to see guys like. Hank Aaron and all of his contemporaries out there, and then guys like Dave Winfield and Reggie Jackson standing side-by-side side with today's best players. It really was a, a fitting commemoration to the history of Yankee Stadium. Even though a lot of the players that were on the field never played uh, for the Yankees, they had played in the stadium at one point or another. Uh, so it was really uh, an emotional day. And then all of a sudden, you know, that story gets topped by the longest all-star game sure. ever. Hey, yeah. Hey, uh, by the way, just sort of all over the place today. But um, are you going to see? Have the Dark Knight hasn't the Dark Knight premiered in Manhattan, but it's not in wide release yet, right? No, it's not a wide release. His parents uh, saw it. Heath Ledger's parents 
uh, went to the uh, uh, screening or an opening or something right, like yeah, that. Right, yeah, I think a couple nights ago. I think it was maybe Sunday or Monday uh, that it premiered in Manhattan. So are you uh, yeah. are you going to be lining up? Are you going to be buying your ticket to go? I don't have time. I'm going on vacation uh, Thursday. Uh, tomorrow night I, I, I have to board a plane, so I don't know if I'll have time to see it before then. But, uh, all, everything that I've been reading about it and, and, and listening to the reporters who have gone to screenings, it really sounds like it's a, it's a great movie that he did a really good job. Well, it's got to be, I mean, weird on like a, like a hundred different levels if you're Heath Ledger's parents. Uh, I mean, not to be too, too, too down or morbid about it, but I mean, it's got to be a weird thing to watch your kids uh, final, uh, you know, it, b- screen performance, and then you're not even really able to see him because he's sort of hidden behind makeup. That's got to be, that's got to be just a, 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 an undescribably uh, strange mix of emotions, I would imagine. I would think so too. I'm trying to think of a of a comparison that can be made. Now, River Phoenix. Were there any River Phoenix movies made after? Uh, after he passed away, uh, I mean, he, was, he was another one who died, you know, prematurely. Uh, well, there was, um, uh, uh, let's see, there was Peter Finch, of course, who was not only, you know, he was in a, a network, he played Howard Beale, and I think he actually is the only person to ever win an Oscar posthumously. He won the Best Actor, which is kind of what they're talking about, Heath Ledger. Uh, Howard Beale. Howard Beale. I'm out on the street, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Howard Beale won the, won the Oscar for Best Actor uh, after he was dead. River Phoenix, I think, had two movies come out after he died. I think Dog fight came out after he died but i may be wrong about that and then there was something else and then um and then the example that i never tire of mentioning raul julia's last film was street fighter the movie which i think came out like two weeks after he was dead so i mean really one of the most esteemed actors of his generation and he goes out playing in a video game movie that's just no good so uh yeah all right my friend um well enjoy your vacation if we don't talk to you uh travel safe and uh, we will have speech with you when you return undoubtedly Thank you very much. Thank you, my friend Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. I was hearing right. someone make a comparison with uh, Heath Ledger and James Dean because I guess Giant and Rebel Without a Cause came out after. James oh yeah, oh that's true. Started. Yeah, because he'd only done East of Eden or whatever that mm-hmm. movie is, and then he filmed those two. Uh, I'm not like the biggest James James Dean authority, but that is true. So all right. Um, well, okay, we should break here. We'll come back. Tim Riley around the corner from the Ministry of Truth. Um, later on, uh, we'll have the top five coming up. Uh, Jim Roop on the way. Worst song you've ever heard and so forth. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's uh, 503-733-2970, 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop and the top five. This, however, at the Ministry of Truth, is your personal savior. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. And the news is brought to you by Leif's Auto Collision Centers. Livestock collision repair. Go to Leif's.com and see what Leif's can do for you. Bear with me for a moment as I crank up my cans. <laughs> there we go. Wait, why are you plugging it over here? My box is dead. You have to crank up your cans because your box is dead? <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> Uh, well, if one compensates how one must, Sarah. Um, wait, so the headphone thing, that you, the, the thing you stick your headphones is just not working? That's correct. It's so, not functioning. Does somebody know about that? Yes. 
Does Matt know about that? He does. What did he do? Well, he said he was going to take a look at it, but right. they're busy with other things. All right. No, that's fair. We're like crazy. No, Matt does a lot of things in here. Now there's all kinds of... All right. Look, Matt's mine, but... All right. No, this box works. All right. So it's a, you are you are able to hear yourself today. Yes. All right. Fantastic. So anyway, I just had my Taylor Swift moment. I was in the restroom, and someone rattled the, uh, the thing and screamed at the top of their lungs, God damn it! Except that was going to make me finish my business any faster. Really? And, Are you and I heard the door slam. Was it a voice you recognized? No, I don't recognize the voice, but they were screaming at the top. God damn it! Well, <laughs> as though that's... Well, wait, I was going to urinate. Uh, oh, just you know. a moment. I'll be out in just a moment. <laughs> Did you feel like yelling at the door, get bent? Exactly. Yeah. But I didn't answer, so I figured it might have teed them off just a little bit more. You have well, to go. You have to go. I was just going to say. Screaming at the top of your lungs outside a locked door isn't going to make somebody go faster. It just makes you look retarded. So And they did, wherever they are. <laughs> so congratulations, unnamed retard. You still didn't get to use it when you wanted to, did you? In your face. Uh, I think I'll uh, go back and do it again. <laughs> you try to do your business. A, I think I'll take a laxative and, and spend the whole afternoon there. <laughs> try, to, try to really bulk up on grains beforehand. Yeah, I'll do that. Uh, have you ever done this? You ever been in the bathroom uh, in that you know the, 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 the sort of unisection with the locking thing? That's and, my favorite. And somebody comes. Well, it's everybody's favorite. That's the thing. Um, and, and there are certain people in the building that really prefer. There's way more bathroom discussion than really is called for, I suppose. But there's certain people in the building who really prefer that bathroom, because, again, it's just the privacy and you know, nobody else barging in and out or whatever. Um, well, that other one, those stalls were built during a skinny period. You know, they're even too small for me. Yeah. And I'm not a big guy. No, no, no. They, uh, the, the, the stalls you have to are going sideways. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? The, the average height of a person trying to get into one of those things. I can see why most people do not fit in those stalls. I have to built in the 1960s or 70s. You can see how you might become stuck on a toilet for 10 or 15 yeah. years. You have to sidle into the stall. Um, it, but uh, not only that, but the, the, the bathroom stalls. Uh, I can't speak for the women's bathroom, but the men's room down here, the, the, you know, the sort of the, the, not the private one. Small. You go in there, and not only they're ridiculously small, but it's like the the thing that holds the door, uh, the the stall door shut, like doesn't work very well, and there's all kinds of like the toilet seat is about to come no, off. And the doors on ours are like are put together wrong, so where you're like have to squeeze against the wall to get through because it's like right against the toilet paper dispenser, and like there's a space of about a foot that you have That's to squeeze fantastic. through. That's fantastic. That's top flight engineering, is what Indeed. that is. It was pre fast food America when and, those were installed. And so some of the people in the building really, as you have noticed, as you found out this morning, Tim, uh, really are partial to that unisex bathroom, and some people really don't care. It's, it's very seldom empty. But but I would say this, I would say that. Um, at certain times of day, just by luck of the draw, there are a high number of people in the building who really, really, really want that unisex bathroom. And, I mean, I, I hesitate to even use the person's name because it makes me sound like I'm sort of like, like I'm sort of calling them out on something. I'm really not. Who is it? No, it's just... I, I was just gonna say Marconi really likes that bathroom. But he's he, not here this early. No, but he's here in the afternoon. But he gets, he gets in at like one thirty, uh -huh. uh, and so sometimes in the afternoon, if I decide to, you know to use the bathroom, or whatever, I go in and and it's almost like it's some it's like it's some sort of a race between he and I. Like who's gonna get in there first? And it seems like we are always heading into the bathroom at the same time. Um, and there's that awkward like you don't want to have the discussion like where are you going? Unisex bathroom. Where are you going? Unisex bathroom, and then you, you know, they were because then you just have to run down the hallway together like a group of Not nitwits. Yeah, seriously, no, hurdling over the uh, you know whatever. So um, 
in any event. But have you ever been in that unisex bathroom and then you're, you know, doing whatever, and then you hear that electronic door open, which means that somebody's walking into the bathroom area, and then you hear the jiggling of the handle as they are reaching, and you think to yourself, God, what if I didn't lock it? Because it's got, like, you have to deadbolt it. And you're, like, well, 15 feet twice. across the room. That's the thing, and the <laughs> toilet's way in the back of the room. The toilet's, like, 10 feet away from the door. And so you're sitting there in the can, and you're thinking to yourself, because there's only a, a, a sit-down toilet. There's no stall or nothing. So you're sitting there in the toilet, and you hear that, as somebody starts reaching for the handle, and you think, and suddenly you do that, it's like you do, you do the pull rack focus Spielberg style, where your vision suddenly hones in on the door handle, and you think to yourself, Jesus God, what if I didn't deadbolt it? Because that's going to be the worst thing ever, because then it's going to be some tool open on the door, and there you are sitting on the toilet, pants around your ankles, and that that's not flattering to anybody. I mean, you don't want to... You know, look all Elvis style then. So, um, yeah, but I'm like you. So I, man, I am just, I was going to say anal retentive uh, about checking that deadbolt like a hundred times. So, all right. Well, in any event. Well, here's to you, person who didn't get to use the unisex bathroom. It's empty. You suck. Oh, probably isn't now. No. <laughs> no, so that's the thing is, it's just, it, and I mean, it, well, never mind. Anyway, so. It's just so badly designed. It's like there's, it's like there's too little room in the other stalls, and then there's way too much room, like, in, in that uh, bathroom. And I know that it's, I think it's there to accommodate folks in wheelchairs or whatever. But, I mean, really, unless you're driving a wheelchair that's the size of a hovercraft, there is no need for the amount of space that that bathroom has. Right. Don't get me started on the women's room upstairs that has a couch. So, mm-hmm. all right, here's Tim Riley. Oh, did you know that Portland's hosting a weekend yodeling festival? No. Yes, the 26th Pacific Coast Swiss Yodeling and Singing Festival. It's a four-day-long celebration of Swiss music and culture. Yes, you're going to have yodeling, singing, alphorns, bouchelles, cow horns, accordions, a hackrit, table wagon, <laughs> and huge carvel. Wait, let's go Let's go through these uh, these things one at a time. Yodeling. Okay, I, I know what yodeling is. Is Al- that Swiss? Yes, it is Swiss. I thought it was just for hicks. No, no, no. All right, okay. Well, it originated in Switzerland. It could have been adapted by the Hicks. Alphorns. I don't know what that is. I don't know. What, what is an Alphorn? Is. Isn't that a... Uh... A-L-P-H-O-R-N-S. Alphorn. A-L... Wait, spell it again. A-L-P-H-O-R-N. Is it two words? Oh, no, it's one word. Maybe it's Alphorns? But that would... <laughs> but an <laughs> Alphorn... <laughs> it looks like Alphorns when you look at it. But it's one word? Yeah. Is an Alphorn that thing... That long, like, Ricola, you know, like that long, you know what, isn't that the thing in the commercial where there's like the long-ass horn that's, that's like a... Oh, that could be. It's like a hundred feet long. The guy that's blowing that long pipe. But there's always a guy standing on the top of a mountain, and then, like, the the mouth of the horn is always, like, way down in the valley or something, and... And it... Okay, so there's that. What else? Butchels. Butchel? U-E-C-H-E-L-S. Butchel. Mm-hmm. What is a butchel? I don't know. Okay. This is really a failed bit because I'm asking what it is. How about a hackret? H A C K R E T T. Hackret. Hackret. No, I have nothing. You think if you say the name over and over again, you'll think I'm trying to sound out what it is. I'm trying to sort of deduce what it is by the sound. Toddler swinging. (laughs) Toddler swinging? Toddler swinging. (laughs) I don't know. Huge cowbells. Well, okay. I think I can probably figure that (laughs) one out. So after they perform at the Keller Auditorium downtown Friday night, they're going to move to Gresham for True Culture Shock. Their singing society is presenting a short program of songs and yodels. In Gresham. In Gresham. All right. Do you that's, suppose they, that's when they bring up the huge cowbell. Are these people that are actually from Switzerland? 
Or are these sort of uh, like Portlanders who are getting in touch with their Swiss heritage? I, I imagine these are people from all over the Pacific. Imagine, I mean, but I mean, but are they Americans or are these people it from Swiss? I know somebody who's, whose grandfather yodels in that festival. For pleasure or for... I can hear you editing yourself as you speak. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, I know somebody and they're, they live here, but they're Swiss. I don't even understand what we're talking about anymore. I know, it's like, it's like a whole yodely thing. I just like the idea of, uh, of some people from Zurich sort of getting on the plane, getting off here, and then being taken right to Gresham. Right to Gresham. Yeah, so, all right. Nice. Uh, there was a mishap involving a crane that knocked out the power of Western <laughs> land. By the way, I just got an email that just says, please, dear God, don't turn this into an hour of Swiss talk, whatever you do. All right. Swiss talk 970. I'm sorry. So what is it? What is the next story, Tim? This is about the crane knocking the power out in West Lynn, starting a brush fire. There's a big crane. Uh, it hit a power line and sparked a brush fire and got power to 2,500 customers in the area. There's smoke visible from the fire. Uh, the crane is on the big barge along the Willamette River. Apparently hit a power line, knocking the live end into a West Lynn neighborhood. Then started a brush fire. So here's something new. I'm going to be hearing a lot of stories about this because people are getting deeper and deeper in debt. And sometimes the man knocks on the door. A debt collector has been shot at. Ooh. Mm-hmm. With the rowdy economy, debt collectors are busy as they've ever been. And police say tensions got out of control Monday when a battleground man opened fire on a debt collector. Trying to deliver papers. Uh, collector Mike Parsons says it's the craziest thing he's ever seen. He knew Monday's assignment was going to be tough. I never expected to be looking down the barrel of a shotgun. I'm kind of surprised that doesn't happen more often. Not that we advocate uh, violence, of course. I'm just yeah. saying, I mean, just you sort of assume that that would happen more frequently. Because, look, if you're some guy who's like $9 million in debt, it seems like you're obviously sort of having a bad go of it anyway. Probably not in the best of moods to begin with. More than likely drunk. Uh, and if you're in battleground, I mean, the odds are 100% that you own a variety of handguns. As so, did 47-year-old Max Berry. Of course. So the debt collector calls 911, and Berry disappears inside the house. Then he comes to the door with a 12-gauge. He looks at it, and he aims it at him. Pulls the trigger. The round hits a tree stump. Police arrive moments later, arrest Barry. He now faces assault charges. He could face several years in prison. Well, you know, this is like, uh, but this is like the repo guy, too, the guy that comes to repossess your car. Uh, I, I mean, I knew a guy once who was a repo man for a living, and it's like if you weren't paying, if you weren't keeping up in your car debts, like he he was the guy that. Sh- and of course, they never do it during the day, uh, because they, you know they want to do it as sort of. No, they do it early in the morning too. In the cloak of darkness too. No, they do it early in the morning when you're in the shower. <laughs> That's the voice of experience, really. Do tell, Tim. It uh, happened once upon a time. Really, to someone uh, like you. Someone like me, <laughs> who thought they had the job of a lifetime. <laughs> How did that work out? Well, I did. <laughs> what kind of a car was it? It was a... Please tell me it was uh, like a... I'm trying to pick... Because even if you're getting your Jaguar repossessed or something, that's fine. But tell me it was like a LeCar. No, it was not. Okay. It was a Toyota Celica. A Toyota Celica. A uh-huh. And, and so... And I used to bond down the street with the song Call Me blaring out of the speakers. <laughs> Like I was Richie Bristol or something. Did you? So did you just like, did you, you know, were you in the shower or something? And then yeah. you get out and you sort of towel off and well, get dressed? like me was in the shower. I can't wait to go to work. I can't wait to get into my Celica and drive off to another day's fruitful employment. Uh, and then you just walked out and there was just a big space in the driveway? Well, I had nowhere to go. I had lost my car <laughs> about three months before that. <laughs> did you sometimes just get in the car and run the engine pretending that you were getting ready to go off to work? Well, I, I knew everything was going down the drain because <laughs> one week I was playing top 40, the next week I was playing Eddie Fisher and Oh My Papa. <laughs> and I knew the I knew the end was near. That's the worst that, that is the worst format change oh, ever. Yeah, 
And here I am trying to be cool driving a tournament. You know, I play Eddie Fisher on my show. Do you like Perry Como? Exactly. <laughs> oh, wow. I've got a fantastic collection of Ethel Merman records I can play for you later. <laughs> it was the day the phone never rang again. I'll never forget it. <laughs> Looking vaguely, looking vainly at the request line, just waiting for somebody to call up and ask you to uh, ask you to, you to crack out that Herb Alpert record. That's not ever going to happen. <laughs> and so they just so in the dead of morning while you were in the shower, they just made off with your Celica. Jesus. Um, and, but the, the, and, and the, and the, and the it was uh, hidden. I mean, uh, parked inconspicuously. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody had, somebody had been watching for quite some time. They've been they've been casing the joint. Had you taken had you thought about just parking it at a different neighborhood maybe so they wouldn't even be able to so you, you know just stashing it sort of in like a back cave somewhere. No, you, you you kind of persuade yourself that that phone's going to ring any minute and everything's going to be okay. <laughs> that never that's never many years case. after that. <laughs> it was the year Sarah Dillon was born. I'll let you know that's how long ago. Uh, wow. Um, hey, speaking of, of Sarah Dillon being born, so I was having this, we were talking about Chinese democracy yesterday by Guns N' Roses, and you were born in what, 80? Mm-hmm. So you know what, do you, uh, so you, Axl Rose started working on Chinese democracy when you were 13. That, just put that in a little bit of perspective for I you there. I remember how tired, I, well, I don't remember, I, I know how tired I am of hearing that damn name. Like, I never want to hear that album ever. No, that's the thing, is like, at this point, it can never, he, I think It's he, been 15 years in the making. He, yeah, he must 14. know, he must know that it can never come out. He must know that his, his best, you know, his best move right now is just to never release it. Just to shelve it and make it the record that was never heard. Um, two, two car things. One, uh, the best car repo story that I have, and not even to me, but it was a friend of mine who did have a soft top Stingray Corvette. Um, uh, you know, Corvette Stingray that was, you know, whatever. Like, I think it's the one that Otter drives in Animal House, and it's like a 1963, you know, red and white soft top. And, you know, he would fall in, radio guy, of course. Yeah. Uh, had a car habit, of course. Uh, and the thing is, the guys who have car habits are almost never the guys who can afford them. I mean, you hear about Jay Leno having 75 cars, mm. but really it's always just some uh, dirt-heeled DJ uh, who, again, just thinks he's going to have a job forever. And I know I'll buy a Corvette Stingray on credit. I only need to come up with $495 a month forever. <laughs> and so he's the same thing, middle of the night or, you know, late at night or whatever. And as he later found out, uh, I think he went to the re- I think he went to the, the repo company, just caused a big fuss about it later or whatever. But as he as he later discovered what they did is they because it was a soft top and because he insanely had it parked outside. That's the thing. If you think your car is going to be repossessed, you don't leave it on the street. You stash that indoors if you can but they had just taken a knife and just gone <laughs> right through the roof. Right. Oh. And then they put it in neutral, and they rolled it out of his driveway and rolled it down the street before turning it on. Which, as it turns out, is kind of a good move, given this is sort of relevant to this story. Because, as he said, I mean, he just said it without batting an eye. He said that if he caught them, he just would have shot him dead. He's like, if I caught them cutting a hole in my Corvette Stingray, like I would have just shot him right in the face. So that and this isn't a repo story, but this is a story sort of similar to yours about how you're trying to hide the car and the man finds you. Uh, when I was in Kennewick years ago, I was speeding down a street called uh, Canal Drive, which is a, it's a two-lane street, a one-lane each way. And I was driving along, I don't know, the speed limit's like 40, and I was going like 60 or something. He's just speeding recklessly and with wild abandon. And a cop goes, you know, suddenly comes around a corner, goes by me in the oncoming lane, you know. And I'm clearly exceeding the speed limit by dozens and dozens of miles. I look in my rearview mirror, and I see that telltale of the cop's brake lights coming on and him banking around and turning. 
clearly deciding to tag me. And so I see the cop in rear view turning around and then starting to accelerate coming up behind me. And so what do I immediately do? I turn down a side street, I see an open garage, and I just pull my car into the garage of a house no. in which I don't live, and I get it and I shut the garage door. Good for you. <laughs> Sounds like something out of a Laurel and Hardy movie. It's exactly awesome. I totally, it's completely true. I mean, I don't know why the garage was open. I don't know why they didn't hear me. Maybe they just assumed Daddy was home. No, Daddy's home. I guess he's staying in the garage to fix his weed whacker. But I saw an open garage. It was like God had put it there for me. It, 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 so I saw the open garage uh, when I was driving my Maverick. Uh, and I pull the, uh, the car right into the garage, get out, <laughs> and pull the garage door shut, and I just waited. I just like waited. Like roadrunner chasing Wiley Coyote. Just ducking into that, like, painted-on tunnel. Uh, and I waited for, I mean, it must have been two or three, like, long minutes. Because, of course, then you're thinking to yourself... Like once you're in the garage, you're like, I've I've, I've escaped the man. You're I've evaded detection. Property, but they then yeah, you in the face. That's the thing. You're like, what am I going to tell this person when they come out of their kitchen into the garage and they ask why some gangly 16-year-old is hiding in the garage with an electric blue Ford Maverick in a house in which he doesn't live? And you realize that there is no answer that would be acceptable. Like, wh- how could you possibly explain that in a way that's not, of course, going to get the cops called? I mean, that's the thing. Um, so I waited about two or three minutes. And uh, and there's just nothing. And so I just pulled the, you know, the garage and got in my car and uh, and drove off. Jesus. One of those things that could have sort of made sense at the time when it was a snap decision, but in retrospect really just seems blindingly stupid. So, all right. Here's Tim. Jesus, it's 1230. No, it's 1225. It's 1225. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Repo stories, really. Take longer than I'm telling you, man, and again, of course, violence is not an answer, but I do think that we're going to, you're going to see more stories like that in the future. If a guy comes and goes, uh, you need to pay me $7,500, and he just gets uh, gets paid in lead, as they say. So once again, uh, big business is going to put it to you. This time, it's Northwest Natural Gas. Get ready for this. You know, I noticed my gas. I use no gas in the summer. Yet, my bill went up like a third. Well, it's going to get even worse because company officials from the three utilities supplying natural gas to Oregon customers offer projections to the Oregon Public Utilities Commission, and none of them are pretty. They want to jack up your rates up to 40%. Now, this is customers of Northwest Natural. You're already getting it put to you. If you haven't uh, looked at your latest bill, you're already getting it. Now they want to put it to you more. Uh, they say there are 595,000 customers in Oregon. can expect a rate hike between 35 and 40%. Ugh. Is there ever any good news? No. No, that's Never. why I'm here. <laughs> Tim is the bearer of bad news. Mm. And now oh, that, okay. you know, we have kind of a lame duck parade and all politicians who can't get anything accomplished yeah. or don't even bother to, no. pretty much sitting ducks. No, there's going to be no, there's going to be nothing. There's going to be no going to be no good happening until at least, uh, you know, until at least and then it's February. Be the same. Yeah. You'll see. You'll see. <laughs> nothing will change. No, but see, I think there will be. Here's the thing that will happen is we will have the election this fall. Uh, when Americans go to the polls and delude themselves into believing that they're making a difference, which, of course, isn't the case. No. Um, then there will be, as there always is, there will be one or two cosmetic changes that happen like in early February of '09, when Barack Obama, uh, who will, let's, I mean, do we think Barack Obama is going to be elected? We take, this, we take this poll every few weeks. Yes. As of now, you call it for Obama? It, it may be closer than people think, but he will get, still get elected. Sarah Dillon, Barack Obama? I've, I've been thinking McCain the whole time, but I'm starting to, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of scared to think that it could be Obama, because that would be so... Like, get your hopes up. Because, that'd be awesome. because if people want to compare this to the, to the 16th election, it was awful close between 
Kennedy and Nixon. Yes, it was. Awful close. But you if know, it wasn't for Joe Kennedy <laughs> opening up his wallet, going around to pay off. Well, no, I, mean, I didn't say that, Tim. You said that. I didn't. I was see. I was going to. History tells us in many instances. I was actually going to say that due to hard work and fair play, Kennedy yeah. managed to win the election he by sure a nose. Did. So if you want to compare it to that, um, it was very, very close. Yes. Do you think he's going to Rick? <sighs> Jesus, I don't know. I, I really just, don't. Like, so jumbled. I just always just, just settle on the fact that the guy I don't want to win is going to win. So I'm like, my minds have already been made up. The rest of the stuff that comes out every day, nobody's paying anything. Well, that's, a, that's the thing is when we talked to Lisa and she said, you know, there's a lot of people in the middle of the country. First of all, the people in the middle of the country are never undecided about anything. Let, the, let's not delude ourselves to think that people think the way we do and pay attention to all these stories every day as we do. Well, that's it. See, I would agree with you in that I, I just can't fathom at some point. I mean, I know we don't do a lot of politics here, but at some point. I, we should do a segment where we just look for people who are literally undecided. I would bet we could go all day and get fewer than five people who are literally, actually, honestly undecided between Obama and McCain. I mean, I just can't fathom it. I can't, it doesn't, I cannot conceive of how that would come to be in your mind. I, I just get this feeling there, there was this two-week stretch when all the Hillary supporters are thinking, well, I vote for McCain, I'm so pissed. Right. But maybe they've changed their minds. No, so no what one, percentage of those. Yeah, no, no one are actually going to do that. No one ever does that. It's you know what it is. The, the Hillary people saying that they, they, I'll vote for McCain before because you heard because the Obama people were making yeah. the same thing and for, and the Republicans. The Republicans were doing the same. The Republicans kept saying, well, you know what? If if McCain gets the McCain is too much of an independent. McCain gets the nomination. We'll vote for Obama or whoever the Democratic nominee is before we'd vote for McCain, which of course isn't true, because at the end, you know, at the end, you know. It, 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 Democrats vote for Democrats and Republicans vote for Republicans and the, the, whatever. Doesn't it, so none of that. That is sort of and like the Democrats have picked up tens of new people this time around. And that is sort of like how Alec Baldwin keeps claiming he's going to leave the country if a Republican wins the presidency. You know, which he didn't do in 2000 and he didn't do and he won't do next year. Maybe so, Stephen Baldwin. Maybe. <laughs> Somebody else annoying said that they were going to. Who was it? Uh, Susan Sarandon. Yeah. Who is annoying but hot. Oh, no, I, uh, I actually like Susan Sarandon. I think it was somebody I actively disliked. No, Susan Sarandon is usually, I'm going to move to France. And it's always France. It's never It's never to anywhere else. It's, it, it, nobody ever says, you know what, if uh, if George Bush gets elected, I am moving to Nairobi. It's it's never, It's never. they're always going to move to France. Uh, so, I couldn't handle their food. No, I just, uh, just anyway, so there's no, none of these things will happen. But, so Obama will, will more than likely win yeah. uh, this fall. And then in February, there will be one or two cosmetic pieces of legislation which will happen, just enough so that they can sort of wave something in front of the public to claim uh, that they are making a difference. It, it's, it's going to be something medical. And then America will just continue on the same endless, irreversible downward, downward spiral. That, and the cable rates will keep going up, and they'll make you buy all these packages you really don't want. That's another problem that needs to be addressed. <laughs> For you, the bottom line is that cable rates are going to continue to increase. Uh, well, that, and, it, and it's sort of like they hypnotize you <laughs> into thinking that you can't live with. I watch you like three channels out of 150, yeah. that many, and the ones I want to watch, I can't find. <laughs> Have you ever, I've done that too. Have you ever been looking for like the Discovery Channel and then... You realize that unless you have a TV guide or something in front of you, you literally have to flip through like 480 channels. I mean, it's a lot of work to find out. 74, 75, 76, 
Seven, and half of them are in commercial break, which means there's no little, like, logo or Chiron in the corner. And you're sitting there going, I just want to find Mythbusters. They need a voice-activated directory. Hey, that's Call a great idea. Sure you want to watch it, and it shows up on screen where to find it. That's a really good idea. See, this is like with that blind hybrid cane thing. You ought to be patenting that idea, like, right now. I know, but I don't know what to do. <laughs> well, Tim, are you an inventor? Or do you know someone who's an inventor who'd like to have their idea packaged and submitted to industry? We, we should completely call that number one of these days. Because that's that, still around. That, oh, I hear it on this station. That ad runs on talk radio five times an hour on every station, on every talk radio format in the country, and has for 30 years. In fact, we, I think... Can I still it, name a star after somebody, too? Yes, Tim, you can. Because that's what makes America great, is our ability to name stars after your grandmother. Um, not only do we run the... The Invention Society of America one. We run that other one. That's a variation where it's that kid goes, don't ever lost track magic. That one. <laughs> where that kid, whatever is him. I'm Andrew Hoffman. My cat is stuck in my sister's And he's talking about finding a cat. You know, we, here's another thing we can do. We need, I think, to clone ourselves and to have multiple stations with multiple versions of ourselves, doing multiple versions of the show simultaneously, the, the things that we do not get to, just the things we don't get to, uh, could fill an, a, another radio station 24 hours a day. All right, because you know what I have right now? Here's a high-concept topic. Maybe we'll do this tomorrow, although I wanted to do like a Batman high-concept topic. High-concept topic. It's going to have to be all Batman all the time tomorrow. Well, you know what we could do today, then? We could do it today. Yeah. Uh, don't call about this yet. I, I'm betting we could do an entire high-concept segment that was... Do you realize we've gotten to one-and-a-half news stories? Yes. It's 12.34. But we're talking about what America cares about. I suppose, or what we care about anyway, and that's really what matters. Uh, we could do an entire high-concept segment, and the segment would be this. What is an idea you had that someone else eventually did? I don't mind. I think everybody's got one. Tim, do you have an invention? Something you I'm thought sure of? There is. Sarah? I wanted to, because I had these pants that I love, but I couldn't get them buttoned, so I wanted to invent an extra button. Like, uh, so it has, like, a, an elastic band, like a hair tie. You couldn't get them buttoned like uh, like they were too big for you? Like they were too big for me. I don't I'm being ironic. Oh, okay. When you said you couldn't get your pants buttoned, and rather than saying, because they were too small, I decided to be ironic and oh. say, because the pants were too big for you? No, they were, they were too small. My, my ass grew exponentially. <laughs> And so you thinking, can say that I can. So and then like having one of these things with a button on it, and then therefore you could attach that to the real button. The ex- have a button the, no, the, 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 the expandable they, button. Yep. They sell that in the parade magazine. <laughs> they sell it in parade magazine. I thought about that for years, and then I saw it one day. I'm like, God damn it! Uh, they, the they sell it in parade magazine, and they sell it in. It's not like um, it's not Sky Mall. What is that catalog? It's like the it's like the hints from Heloise catalog or something. You know what I'm talking about? It's it's not the Sky Mall catalog, but it's like a really, it's like it's like Sky Mall for suburban rubes. Uh, my in-laws get it in Provo. Oh, it's Harriet somebody. Harriet, that's exactly what it is. I can't think of her last. Uh, Harriet something or other, and it's just it's just a bunch of it's just a bunch of crap for Hicks. And uh, but one of the things they sell is that button expander, where it is an elastic loop, uh, sort of like a hair tie, an elastic loop that then goes to a the male part of a buttoning system. And so if you are a person of size... Or if perhaps you wash your pants and they shrink and then you still want to try and wear them. Or you're a person of size, uh, you put the elastic loop around your the button on the belt, or, you know, the, the, the whatever, the, the fastening thing, and then it allows you to expand that. 
So that's a great idea. You know the idea I had? Here's what I had. I had the idea for uh, little packets of caffeine that you could add to non-caffeinated products to make them caffeinated. In other words, if you're at a place where they're serving decaf or whatever, it's like a little packet of caffeine powder that you can dump into your decaf, you stir it in, bada-bing, caffeinated coffee, which they now sell. Uh, I also had the idea, by the way, for caffeinated bottled water, which they also sell. So these are all serious. It's all stuff that I came up with, but then just didn't do. That's why I got to do this um, that that um, safe ring thing, that like that like bondage toy thing that I had the idea for. That would completely sell, and I don't think anybody makes it. Here's Tim Riley. A little breaking TV news: Michael J. Fox will return to a TV in a four-part episode guest role in FX's Rescue Me. Whatever that is. Oh, it stars that Dennis Leary as oh, a the firefighter. Show? Michael J. Fox. Yes. Boy. He's been busy playing people with diseases for the past few years. That's method acting, Tim. Well, he's uh, generally sought to control his uh, movements, although his uh, illness is evident. He has Parkinson's, apparently. He's raised millions of dollars, it says. Is this like a new segment called Meet the Parkinson's? I guess so. <laughs> oh, Rick. <laughs> Come on, that's funny. For some reason, when you were saying Michael J. Fox, I kept thinking Kirk Cameron in my head. No. No, they're different. I know. No, he's just, totally he's different. just a crazy Christian. Uh, I did see Kirk Cameron on Family Guy yesterday, so that's probably what I was As himself? About. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty impressive. It was when um when Peter makes the church for the Fonz. Oh, that's right. Meet the Parkinsons. Stop. I, I, here's Tim Riley. Now you got to find a different. You need to give yourself you crickets for that. Oh, come on. That, fine, fine. Whatever. I need cricket control as well. Let's go to Tacoma, shall we? There are other jokes I could have made but didn't. Let's go to Tacoma. The owners of a downtown market there are calling it Swift Justice. A regular customer put an end to an armed robbery and put the man in the hospital with just one punch. Apparently, this guy was a regular. He saw the uh, the store owner, Abdullah Asabala, uh, being held up. So he came around and he uh, grabbed the guy and smacked him and knocked him down. And Well, he was out with just one punch. A 73-year-old Portland woman died after her husband of more than 50 years backed over her with his huge pickup truck. Wow. Yeah, the uh, apparently a parked boat got stuck in some rhododendron bushes after rolling down a steep driveway at a couple's home in southeast. So the husband backed up his pickup to hitch the boat and return it to its parking spot. The wife was behind the truck directing him. Okay. Well, you know what happened. Let's do one more and then we'll take a break. Oh, well, listen to this. Police arrested a Wilsonville man who allegedly looked up a girl's skirt. And the Sears store in Tigard, they spotted 47-year-old Jose Sanchez Marino acting suspiciously in the presence of two young gals. Uh, security police provided video allegedly showing him on the floor of the store looking up the skirt. How are you allegedly looking up a skirt? <laughs> and it's funny they say, that it was, it was, it was allegedly behaving oddly. Yes. So he was allegedly looking up the skirt <laughs> of a girl. And she looks at merchandise with a spring. I'm looking for my contact lens. I... I'm never really that distracted shopping. I think I'd notice if some guy's laying underneath me. I mean, and was he just, was he not moving? Was he just laying on the floor immobile waiting for girls to pass overhead? Maybe so. I mean, maybe. I mean, I wasn't there. I don't shop at Sears. I mean, maybe the scam could be that he's laying on his back pretending to fix the underside of a shelf or something. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that could oh. be. Like he's there pretending to bolt uh, the shelf back together or whatever. Employee. And he's, by the way, I got the, you'll appreciate this. I got the greatest call from Sarah yesterday uh, asking, quote, where is Tigard? Because she was getting ready to go to the dark night, and she couldn't fit. She goes, where is Tiger? How do you even get to, to that place? And I had to admit that I didn't even really know because I always just follow my GPS. And so I was trying to describe where Tiger sort of was. And, I mean, I've gone there a thousand times. Uh, but, yeah, because that's, what, you take a 26, right? 
No, I took I-5. No, 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 you don't take What am I thinking of? My thinking of Beaver Tooth, you take I-5 South, and then you get off on 99. Do you realize, I've lived here for 10 years, and... I was realizing as I drove in today over the Ross Island Bridge that I, even after living here for a decade, having lived here for a decade, I know, uh, it, sometimes people will ask me what road something is on or like what highway it's on. They'll go, is that on the 84 or is that on the 10? And I'll just kind of look at them blankly and realize that I have no idea. I reported traffic for years and I have no idea where 99W is. Seriously, I just, I get in the car and I turn on the GPS and get, turn left, then take the motorway. And then that's all I do. It's like me on the east side. Yeah. Every time I go over there, it all looks the same to me. Exactly, especially when you get to like that sandy Burnside area, oh, and then it's just, no. oh, it, it, it always branches off in the direction you don't want to go. <laughs> and no matter that's which no, to turn around. And no matter which lane you're in, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. That no, when you are heading, uh, when you're heading eastbound on Burnside, and you get to the big sandy Burnside split, it's like I have I, I have gone up Burnside uh, uh, ten thousand times since I've lived here. And there have been moments when I'm driving at Burnside, and I swear to Christ, it's like I switch back and forth in the lane three or four times as I'm getting close to the split, and then I still end up in the wrong lane somehow. <laughs> and then as you're right like, next to Union Jack. Seriously, and as then you're like turning over, like, no, I want to be over there. And you've and you completely screwed it up, it and you're totally like, gets confused. And you just ask yourself, like, how did I just do that? I mean, it makes no sense at all. Here's another place where that happens. Here's another place where everybody gets in the wrong lane. This is when you are heading down 39 West. Yes, westbound on 39th. And you're going to be uh, like if you're heading to Lloyd Center for some reason, if you are heading west, Wait, the 12th or like 39th or 12th, because those 39th are 39th when you go over the overpass. When, yeah, when you go over the overpass and then you go by that Starbucks and there's that Chinese restaurant yeah, there. You have to be in the middle lane in order to take. But you want to take left. you want to take a left to get you on take the a left on Broadway. Yeah, you want to take a left on Broadway, but you always pick the wrong lane and then you're like are stuck going straight ahead. You're like, no, but I was one of crap. Uh, and then and you, nobody will let you over. No, and, and you're stuck with the homeless like crazy man knocking on your window. Totally stuck in that corner. Exactly, and then you gotta and then you gotta wind your way all the way to that Hollywood district where just like the streets just go. It's like being inside the Winchester Mystery House over there where it's like streets that just go nowhere, you know, alleys that just go bad, you know, into into, into ditches. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, it doesn't make any sense at all. It, I think there are, I think there are places in this city that they just designed just as traps. You know what I mean? Just to sort of get rid of people who don't really know what they're doing. All right. It is 1245. Already? Already. What? Already? Yes. Okay. Let's take a break. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, Jim Roop, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Uh, your phone calls and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming along. This email says, Rick, about brilliant ideas. A brilliant idea I had was an in-car navigation system with the voice of William Daniels doing the voice of Kit as you drove. Apparently, other people thought the same as it's now being done. I could have made millions, but instead I make roast beef sandwiches for a living. (laughs) We're laughing with you, sir. 
Uh, let's see. Oh, and then Todd the Corpse is correcting me about Tigert. He says, you know, Tigert is where we had dinner, Rick. Uh, this is uh, Joni and Todd and I had uh, dinner at Gustav's. He said, I understand not being able to find it because you have to take magical unicorns to get here. At least in my section of town, which is unincorporated, so it's both in Portland and Tigard at the same time, in Narnia. It's always 75 degrees and angels sing while giving you pie. All right, thank you. Here's Tim Riley. Russia says that the charred remains found in a pit... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just... I'm not laughing at charred remains. I am. It's well, just, this is Russia. If you, I was going to say, if you had is taken... Is it Russia again? That's why I'm laughing. Russia, I believe, is the new Florida. We need a sounder for Russia. Uh, Russia stories. Th- th- I mean... Is it gruesome and, and deadly? A St. Petersburg in both places. Coincidence? I think not. Uh, it's just if you had taken this out and you had said, charred remains found in a pit in blank, my first guess would have been Florida. My second guess, though, would have been Russia. Well, these charred remains belong to the Tsar Nicholas II's only son and his daughter. It's been exactly nine years after the Bolsheviks uh, were murdered. Uh, they were shot, the whole family, in the basement of a merchant's house in a city uh, 900 miles east of Moscow. Don't ask me to pronounce it. I'm not going to do it. The bodies of the rulers are burnt, doused with acid to make identification difficult, and dumped in pits without a proper burial. So they think everybody else is up, but uh, Alexei's were missing, and apparently they found his. He was the 13-year-old son. Uh, they used uh, teeth and fillings. To identify him, and they took some DNA tests. Really, in Russia, I'm surprised there are any fillings left. I mean, when you see the vandals, who just go for that first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. So that's that. So they found him. So there's nobody else to look for. And by the way, speaking of uh, speaking of Florida, this email says, um, "Rick, every day I hear you fumbling for the Florida sounder. It's not just that you don't find it; it's that you almost always place something else in its place, something that makes no sense." Why do you even have the Wilhelm scream so nearby? Do you plan on using it at a moment's notice? In fact, the only time I do, I do hear you use the Wilhelm scream is by accident. Maybe some house cleaning is in order. Just a thought. Because I... You did some house cleaning here the other day. We've been coughing. Uh, that, that maybe some house cleaning of the... Because I've got... I, and I've got that, but it, it is so it, it deeply layered within, like, let's see. Uh, let's see, what did, like... I mean... Like, what do I even need this for? Let's see. I'm just picking random sound bites here. Let's see. Um... Welcome back to What's the Buzz. You may know her as Academy Award-winning actress, but today she's here to talk about a new project on the small screen. We're talking about the talented Holly Hunter in her new TV drama series called Saving Grace. Holly, thanks so much for joining us. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right, Holly, thanks so much for joining us. And then, there you go. So, I mean, I... I want to hear the rest of that interview. It's so awkward. It's four minutes long. Oh. Uh, maybe we'll play it later on. Uh, so, I don't know. It's, I'm looking here, and I have 582 sound bites just in this one folder. Oh, we've got to go through them. Yeah, I find, like, random ones yeah. all the time. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh-oh. This just in. The Oregonian is closing three metro bureaus and merging the staffs into three other bureaus. Uh, the staff of the bureaus in Gresham, Tigard, and the Couve will all move to the South Branch in Oregon City, where people go to die. And the uh, West Bureau in Southwest Portland and Multnomah County Bureau in Portland. Wait, so what, when you say, I don't even know, I don't know how newspapers so work. So the Gresham Bureau staff will move to the Multnomah County Bureau. But what is the Bureau staff? What does that even mean? They all, they uh, collect 
stories from that area. Oh, I see. So they just uh, so this is the people who just sit in Gresham waiting for things to happen. Yes, and Tigard and the Coup. Why would you move them all to Oregon City when Oregon City seems like the most peaceful of all those places? I think it's the cheapest to move. Maybe. Wouldn't you want all the? Wouldn't you want the bureau staff in Gresham where you're guaranteed stabbings and maimings like on an almost hourly basis? I suppose, but the rent is probably cheaper in Oregon City. <laughs> that, that probably, Jesus, Oregon City, could, a place that is just so far removed from anything. Have you ever had to drive to Oregon City? Yes. Jesus, I mean, it's just where you're just driving and driving, and you think to yourself, I must be almost there. I've I been in the car for big, nine hours. They have a big Goodwill store there, don't they? Yeah, probably. Where's Oregon City? It's like that. You're, I don't even know hey, how to get to Tiger. Oregon City used to be the capital of Oregon. Is that true? Oh, yeah. Yes. Before it was Salem? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, Is if it people can find it. It's it's south. It's like a thousand miles away though. It's like where you're just sitting. And it, Oregon City is to to me though. It's every time I drive to Oregon City, which is like really infrequently, but it's like driving. Vancouver feels like a different world to me. Like that feels far away. Do you ever drive though to a place like that, and it it seems so far away that at a certain point you become convinced you've missed the exit. You're still looking like, did I was supposed to turn it? All right, I'll just keep that going. Was last night trying to find Tiger because we kept going <laughs> south. I'm like, where is this place? Uh, all right, here's Tim Riley. Well, it was like me going to Vancouver on the Amtrak. When it stopped there, Vancouver, you look out the window, it's a huge dump. <laughs> it looks like a scene out of Wally. <laughs> Just huge piles of refuse everywhere. It's a big dump. Yeah. <laughs> the CBS. And broken down things and people scooping it, moving it from area A to area B. What kind of what part of Vancouver were you in? It's the Amtrak stop. Why would they be scooping piles of refuse? They are. Is it a, is it a landfill? I don't know what it is. <laughs> or maybe, or maybe it was it, just... it's just it's just mountains of crap. <laughs> <laughs> and and there, there are big cranes and things scooping it up, moving it from point A to point B. <laughs> well, you've got to got to employ Vancouverites somehow. I suppose so. Your job will be to uh, pick up. Um, Somebody must know what I'm talking. Diapers about. and put them over there. You, you're in charge of cigarette butts. You, uh, banana peels. Go. All right. Well, somebody will know. I'll... It's the gateway to the coup. It is. It is the opinion of CBS Radio Portland's news department that Vancouver is quote just a big pile of crap. There are mountains of it there. <laughs> okay. But everybody's got to make a living. Don't you think that they could make money at landfills uh, by just renting you like a hazmat suit and just letting you sort of like. You know, and just like I think Douglas Copeland talked about that in one of his books, actually, where they rent you a hazmat suit and then you get to take a tour. They they should drill sort of deep passages into the landfill and illuminate them. And then you put on a hazmat suit and you can go down and you examine the layers of trash from decades past. Mm-hmm. I think that's in Shampoo Planet where Copeland talks about that. Mm-hmm. So you don't think it's a good idea. No, it's gross. I'm just thinking about <laughs> all the things that people throw away that I don't want to be walking through. I suppose that's true. Here's Tim Riley. Let's go to Murrieta, California. Where police have arrested so-called comedian and so-called actor Andy Dick. Uh, the police information officer, Lieutenant Ruman, explains exactly what happened. About 1.15 this morning, uh, Murrieta police officers responded to a call at one of our uh, local restaurants and bars, Buffalo Wild Wings on Murrieta Hot Springs Road, uh, to investigate an intoxicated male at the location who was uh, allegedly urinating outside the location. So officers uh, stopped the truck and found Dick inside. Witnesses told us that uh, upon exiting the bar that Mr. Dick had walked up to a 17-year-old female and uh, grabbed her uh, breasts and had pulled down her her top and exposed her breasts. So wait, so what was the... Can I see that story for just one second? I'm not done with it. I know, I'm just... 
I want to clarify. And I have the. Uh, I want to clarify something here. I have the smoking gun story also. Wait. So uh, all right. So can you play that first soundbite again? Yes. Thank you. About 1:15 this morning, uh, myriad of police officers responded to a call at one of our uh, local restaurants and bars, Buffalo Wild Wings, on Murrieta Hot Springs Road, uh, to investigate intoxicated male at the location who was uh, allegedly urinating outside the location. So allegedly, Mr. Dick was urinating. Uh huh. Okay. And during the search of Dick, police discovered a small amount of marijuana in his <coughs> pants pocket and a single Xanax pill for which he did not have a, a prescription. An extremely intoxicated dick was booked into the Southwest Detention Center, bail set at only $5,000. 5000 mm-hmm. Sarah was reading the list of all of the things he's done. Uh, do you have that in front of you, this is the, the, the list of... You said he got forcibly removed from the Jimmy Kimmel show because he kept groping Ivanka Trump? Yeah, you're right. Uh, yes, and because... Um... And because he was trying to make out with Jimmy Kimmel, who yes. is single apparently now, though, so... Oh, no way. Yeah, he and Sarah Silverman busted up. Oh, that sucks. Nobody doesn't so anyone the ever worked that, that this guy became a nationally known comedian because he was reason? he was on news radio. That's right. the, that's kind of the only thing he did that I'm really familiar with. Okay, in 2004 he um, was arrested for mooning friends. In 2005 he exposed his genitals. 2006 he screamed the N word at a bunch of people, just trying to make a joke out of the Michael Richards thing, which mm. went over poorly. He was forcibly removed from the Jimmy Kimmel show in 2007 for groping Ivanka Trump. In 2007, he was also beaten up by John Lovitz. He was uh, cited in 2007 for urinating on a sidewalk. And also in 2007, not a good year for him. This is all in July and August, too, instead of on a bender. He slapped a reporter in the face. Doesn't it seem like Andy Dick ought to be in jail by now? I mean, for some sort of lengthy period of time? All right. Well, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, he he did news radio, but he sort of just been... I mean, why does he continue to get publicity if he's a washed up has been? I don't, I, I don't, re- I don't really know. I don't know either. I mean, he kind of the thing about the, the the problem with Andy Dick though, having done news radio, is that like is that he can sort of always point at that and go, well, no, 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 I was an actor, but I mean, but he has no visible means of support at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how he how he pays the bills, and that 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 mugshot of him is really just uh, flat out unnerving, and it doesn't he seem looks like, insane. It doesn't seem like that's the kind of. Um, pose that you sort of strike when you're being booked into jail. As I think we've all learned uh, from the arrest of several political figures in the last few years, you always try to look, you know, try to look happy. Try to look presentable. Don't try to look like, uh, you know, the Joker, which is sort of what he's doing there. So, all right. Toys that turn kids into murderers. Family members call it an unbelievable tragedy. A Kansas City teenager shot two relatives, killing one in an argument over an Xbox. I'm upset again. It's not working. Yeah, I'm And now my nephew did, and my granddaughter's. And, you know, it's just a bit something that didn't have to happen. Whatever you do, uh, whisper when the microphone is put in front of your face, and try to enunciate poorly so we can't understand what you're talking about. Uh, oh wait, we have some uh, we have some answers for you about the big pile of crap in Vancouver. Too. Oh good, I want to hear. About uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Rick, hello. How's it going? What's up, sir? Sarah, Tim, hello. Good afternoon. So, Tim, I want to uh, I want to clarify what that giant pile of crap is on the other side of the Amtrak station. Yes, sir. It's where all the meth heads take their metal to get it recycled. It's a metal recyc- re- recycling facility. You suppose it's a bad idea to have a metal recycling place filled with meth heads right next to a train? Doesn't that seem like that's just uh, fast forward to uh, about six months from now when the train, you know, the guy hits the go button on the train at some point and there's no wheels and <laughs> just tips over and catches fire? 
Vancouver would have to be any different than Portland in that fact. I suppose. Anyway, so that's so that's a, it is a metal recycling place. Yeah, the the station, and I don't know why or how I know this useless trivia. It used to be like another mile up the road, but uh, the metal recycling place has been there for a long time. So just figured I'd clarify for everybody. All right. Well, thank you. It's like welcome to Vancouver. <laughs> Enjoy our many piles of garbage. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye. Uh, this email says, uh, Rick, since my cleverly crafted emails are seldom read due to my lack of humor, perhaps I can be of assistance regarding the garbage at the train station. Tim is res- uh, observing the metal that's crushed and sent to China in large ships to be made into new craft to sell back to us at a much higher price. Keeping you informed of the coup, Lisa. All right. Thank you, Lisa. All right. Fair enough. Oh, they're doing something constructive. Well, there you go. Now you know, Tim. The more you know. Bing. Uh, Joe Lieberman, who's kind of a pest. Said the uh, uh, question voters should be asking is which candidate they prefer for commander-in-chief. As for him, to get himself in even more hot water, he's already endorsed uh, John McCain, saying Barack Obama is not suited for the job. He's going to Iraq, but he's already decided his position. He's not going to listen to Petraeus. He's not going to listen to our troops. He's not going to sort of listen to his own eyes with what he he's sees. Not he's not going to listen with his own eyes. That's not the kind of leadership we need in the Oval he's Office. He's not seeing with his own ears. <laughs> He's not tasting with his kneecaps, and I've had it up to here. All right. The first owner pooch team on CBS's program, The Greatest American Dog, has been eliminated. The what team? The owner pooch team. Uh-huh. Owners and pooches. Yeah. Has been eliminated. And uh, in the premiere, yes, on CBS. Oh, this is The Great American Dog Show. Uh, yeah. Michael is an aspiring California-based comic, and his Boston Terrier, Ezzy, were sent packing... Michael said he had high hopes for his team. Knowing what she's capable of and what I'm capable of, I thought we could take it to the end. I had the utmost confidence. But um, so that was disappointing. But all in all, I have to take it to a good place and not the bad place. And things happen for a reason. There's a strong bond between Michael and his dog, Ezzy. I love this dog so much. I've had dogs my entire life. But every day she floors me with just one what she can do, what she can learn, but also she makes me laugh. You know, she's she's totally my companion. Wow. Wow, he sounds really... <laughs> well, he's been eliminated. <laughs> At least he has more time to spend with his dog. <laughs> I'm almost sad we're not going to get more sound bites for that guy in the future. Oh, that guy's dad doesn't understand him at all. Yeah. It's KCMD Portland. Here's Tim Riley. Well, a U.S. pizza worker is shocked. When a workmate overpowered a robber who turned out to be her dad, Stephanie Martinez was getting money out of the cash drawer when Rudy Sandoval fought back against the robber, knocking off his wig and sunglasses. Miss Martinez was so surprised when she saw the robber's face that she dropped the money. She screamed, don't hit him again. That's my dad. What's he doing here? And I said, I don't know. The suspect is Benjamin Ramirez. He ran out of the pizzeria in Texas in a pickup truck where Miss Martinez's mother and husband were waiting. But officers I don't think Miss Martinez knew her family was planning the robbery. They're not filing any charges against her. Attention, Richie. Tempest Storm is fuming. Her fingers tremble with frustration. Clear agent, knotted with arthritis, and speckled with purple spots under her paper skin. But the manicure of orange polish is flawless and new and matches her signature tousled mane. She brushes orange curls out of her face as she explains... How she's been slighted. You see, she's been a stripper for, well, more years than she cares to remember. Indeed, the 80-year-old burlesque queen takes her clothes off very slowly. (laughs) 
More than 50 years ago, she was doubled the girl with a fabulous front and was told by famous men she had the best two props in Hollywood. Since then, Storm saw the art that made her famous on the brink of extinction. Wait, this is she's how old? 80. And she's still stripping? Yes. Where? Uh, she's performing in Las Vegas, Reno, Palm Springs, Miami, and Carnegie Hall. I mean, I would, wouldn't it almost be kind of tempting to go see what an 80-year-old stripper looks like? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just some like. sort of... Wait, do you have a photo? Oh, it's no longer tempting. Wow. She looks like she was pretty once upon a time. <laughs> you should tell her that. that. that that's Carrot Top. That, I was <laughs> just going to say, you know what that Lisa's is? That's his mother. That is Carrot Top meets Florence Henderson is she's what that is. She's been in the uh, room with heavyweights such as Sinatra, Martin, Matt King Cole, and Mickey Rooney. She dated some, but just danced with others. Can I just tell There's you this? There's a website where I'm trying to find it called signmyboobs.com. Of course there is. Uh, so, Lara and I were watching this DVD last night that's just uh, nothing but but old, trashy movie trailers. Uh, it, like, so there's like some 70s horror films, and then there's um, uh, it, like old like 50s classroom films. And these are all like, the, it's just the trailers for these movies. And th- one of the movies for which there is a trailer is um, Blaze Storm Goes Nudist. And Blaze Storm, which is about the movie, the Paul Newman movie Blaze is about her because she had a, 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 an ongoing relationship with, what's his name, um, Long, that uh, politician in Atlanta. Um, but anyway, so... Huey the, Long? What's that? Huey Long? See, but is it Huey Long? I don't think so. I think, it, I think it's somebody else. Hmm. Uh, but um, in any event, uh, I have no real point here except to talk about... The, the, Wilbur Mills? It was this whole... Wi- no. I'm thinking of Fanny Fox. Yes. What? Oh, and I'm thinking of different strippers. I don't get the right ones. <laughs> I'm, I'm matching the strippers with the wrong people. In your, in your head, are you playing match the stripper with yeah, that politician? Uh-huh. Well, now i got to look it up. But Blaze Storm was this sort of famous burlesque uh, performer. And at one point, they made this kind of exploitation film called, uh, it was just called, it was called uh, Blaze Storm Goes Nudist. And it was one of those movies that I think they, they got away with it in the 60s. I think it came out in maybe 61 by, because it wasn't like porn, like, you know, there was any sex, but it wasn't like a regular movie. It was sort of like softcore, but they, they marketed it as like an art film. And so the whole plot is basically that she's just hanging out at a nudist camp. I'll bring the trailer in. It, just hearing the audio on the air is fantastic because it's just, it's just like a lot of long, lingering shots of like her and other nude girls, like literally like laying in the sun playing checkers. And then there's one of them playing badminton. Badminton. And so it's just, it's it's like a sort of a weird middle ground between softcore and hardcore. But she was, but she was a stripper. And I went online later and looked up her Wikipedia entry, and she still strips now at the age of like 78. So, I mean, there's something to be said for that. Following one's own muse, I suppose. I found Tempest Storms in the space page. She uh-huh. was really, really pretty. Yeah, see, but it's always really sad when you look at photos of people when they were attractive, and then then you see them now. Can I see? Yeah, it's not, right. of course, now it's not downloading, it but... Does she have bats in her hair? She was no. I think those are. It's like a boa sort oh. of a thing. No, I think. No, she was very attractive. Uh huh. Is it? Look at how, like, she has enormous boobs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, she does. But then, do you see my thing though about like um, when I was talking about Heath Ledger early, and there's something about kind of just going out that way. It is sort of the even though she's still alive, it is sort of the Betty Page thing. You know where it is? Kind of make your mark. Pff, gone. You know, and uh, and like that, he's gone. Uh, okay. Uh, you're listening to KCMD Portland, by the way. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. How can I help you? Hey, kids, it's Mailman Brian. What's up, sir? Hey there, I have a question for Sarah. Yes. Sarah, I'm headed uh, north of the uh, Oregon-Washington border next week to travel on vacation, and I have a booze question for you. When you say north of the Oregon, do you just mean you're going to Canada? No, Washington. Oh, I see. You're headed, you're, you're headed into Washington. Okay, yes. Okay. All right. 
Yeah, we're staying up in uh, uh, Winterberry for a week and can't, uh, staying in a house, mountain biking, and, and, and drinking, uh, more importantly. Um, but I have a question about uh, Washington's uh, liquor um, stores and such. So are they just like Oregon as far as state-run liquor stores, or how does that work? And I have a follow-up question, which is how does it feel to be the go-to person in terms of alcohol consumption for everybody? I don't, I don't, well, I don't go to liquor stores very much, so I don't... Sarah doesn't buy alcohol, sir. It's given to her. I don't. Oh. Yeah, I'm not sure about Washington. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's similar to Oregon, though. What was your question? Well, it was just I was just wondering if it was any less expensive, because since Washington does have a state sales tax, if it's any less expensive to buy your alcohol, because I know Oregon's... Uh, Would it are, matter? I mean, really? Let's be honest. I mean, is it, is it really going to be... The, no, 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 that's it. We're just going to be teetotaling this whole trip. I refuse to pay that much for whiskey. Once I cross that border, Rick, it's it's no turning back. I mean, let's, let's be honest, sir. You'll pay whatever they charge. Well... That is correct. Well, anyway, because yeah. I know that California, you can get, you know, you can get alcohol in Costco, and it's horribly inexpensive. Oh, yeah, Washington, yeah, Washington still is the same thing. I mean, it's still like just normal liquor stores yeah. and everything, not in grocery stores or anything. Good luck with your drinking. Thank you so much. Have a great time. Yeah. Goodbye. Thank you. All right, there you go. If if you're buying your alcohol at a Costco, I, you know, I'm just saying you might want to think about getting yourself to a meeting. <laughs> that does seem like that seems like one of the 13 questions that you answer. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, this comes to us from Appleton, Wisconsin. A couple there telephoned police in the middle of the night after finding a man in their basement covered head to toe in barbecue sauce. He told the officers it was urban camouflage. The homeowners woke up to rustling sounds. A husband grabbed his shotgun headed toward the basement when he found the sauced-up intruder. He held him at gunpoint until police arrived. The guy told the cops he covered himself with barbecue sauce because he wanted to hide from the government. Uh, let's see here. I don't want to read that one now. Oh, Florida. I I don't even I'm not even gonna try. I'm just gonna give up. Why do you give up? Because I don't. It's no fun for me. I gotta gotta nobody likes to give a reference. I have to go through. I have to sort through all my sound bites. Life is hard. A 94 year old Brandonton man whose arrest on a charge of soliciting a prostitute became fodder for late night comedians will not be prosecuted. The judge tossed out the charges, saying Frank Milo was entrapped by an undercover cop before his arrest in November. Uh, The officer walked to Milo's car without being summoned eventually, got him to agree to pay for oral sex. His attorney said he was happy for Milo, whose arrest had blocked him from getting into an assisted living facility. Wait, how old is he? 94. Uh, uh, Milo does enjoy flirting with the pretty girls. Mm. Never had any attention to paying for sex. Why should he? He's a handsome man. Uh, prosecutors argued that he knew exactly what he was doing. You, you know, don't you don't you think that once you hit a certain age, I think for every uh, decade that you live through, there ought to be certain laws that are just that no longer apply to you. You know what I mean? So I, I think you know, I think once you hit like I don't know your 60s, I think drug laws ought to be relaxed. I think once you hit your 70s, uh, you ought to be able to just have sex with uh, you know with anybody under any circumstances. You know, you ought to be pay for sex. Unless they're people pay. Yeah, I'm just. But I'm saying you know. Yeah. You know, all things being, if you're consenting adults, you ought to just be able to do everything, and no sexual law should apply to you. And then once you hit 80, you should just be able to kill anybody who displeases you, <laughs> because once you're over the age of 80 or especially 90, if you're really able to like get it together and you have the physical and mental wherewithal, uh, you know, to be killing people, you're probably a keen enough judge of character to know who needs to be taken care of. So. Someday when I'm president, these things will happen. Hey, do you have that story about the sex offender that showed up wearing a world's greatest dad shirt? I think that's in your stack. Maybe. It's not really. I mean, I've kind of just given the whole story. It's the, It was the same thing where he showed up thinking he was meeting a 14-year-old girl, and it was the man. But the best part is, as he comes in the door, they get a shot of him, and he's wearing a shirt that says, world's greatest dad. 
That is just creepy yeah. and gross. Yes, it is, Sarah. Ugh. All right, here's Tim Riley. A Lou Pearlman and federal authorities have finally agreed on how much the former boy band promoter uh, swindled from, of course, he swindled a staggering $300 million from banks. And now he's supposed to pay it back. How they don't know. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to work in the laundry. It's going to be difficult for him to repair all the money while behind bars. He made millions of the record industry in the 1990s, but investigators have found that money and uh, more seemingly gone with the collapse of his Ponzi scheme. He's been allowed to manage at arm's length the few remaining musical acts he still has. He can also offer some money from whatever job he gets in prison. What job would he get in prison? I can't. I cannot imagine. Wait. Wait, did you just ask what kind of job would he get in prison? That's correct. I think we know the answer to that, Tim. I'm sorry. Even looking like that? (laughs) Well, everybody needs love. I suppose. There's someone for everyone in prison. (laughs) I like your folds. Don't make any sound or I'll kill you. (laughs) From more than 1,000 people. If you you scream, I'll shank you right here. An alleged uh, Fonzie scam. Squeal like a pig. Another 70 million was invested uh, by. Can we move on to another story or, or beat this to death for a few more bad jokes? I can start again. Do you have any more lines? I think you know the answer to that. By the way, I can read the I same did. line three or four times and you can insert new jokes here. You said insert. Um, I did, by the way, resist the urge to do my, you know, anything every time you said Ponzi scheme. I, I did it a couple times and you just held back. Should I do it one more time? No. <laughs> Doesn't that seem like a Family Guy joke that's waiting to be done, though? They are going to take it in that Fonzie scheme, you know? And and then it's just, and then it's Fonzie in a room pointing at a bunch of circles on an easel. This is called your downline. Hey! And then, you know, that's funny. That's humor. I should just start filing away these jokes on note cards and then just send them to Seth MacFarlane in the mail. We need to have Seth MacFarlane on the show. (sighs) Seth MacFarlane, who's no longer getting along, uh, getting it on with Eliza Dushku, he's now getting it on with, what is her name? She's 22. She's on that show. Amanda Bynes. Really? Yeah. You go, Seth MacFarlane. She's right. really pretty. Yes, she is, Sarah. She's on a really crappy show because since I don't have the cable, sometimes in the afternoon, I shall peruse my three channels that I get in. She's in a she has some Nickelodeon show. show, doesn't she? No, she's on a show with, uh, what's her name, Jenny Garth from 90210. Oh, yeah. What I Like About You or something. Yeah, there was, uh, yeah, there was, I was reading Variety or something or other. They were talking about some party that Seth MacFarlane was at and Amanda Bynes was there. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, this would uh, go down as a hick watch, I believe. Here's your hick watch for uh, Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Copenhagen makes me feel so good. Copenhagen, way out of the shit. When I pull a chew in my mouth, go spitting slobbering all around the house. Copenhagen makes me Okay, what's funnier? In terms of comedy, what's funnier? Is it someone being taken in by a Fonzie scheme, which which is a scheme run by Arthur Fonzarelli, <laughs> or is or or is it funnier to have a character on on a Happy Days show called The Pons, and he's the guy that just scams everybody at Arnold's uh, uh, drive-in? Really, a Fonzie scheme? All right. There's too much work in the pond. <laughs> the Pons. <laughs> Doesn't the Pons sound like some sort of ailment that you would get? No, I'm sorry. I can't go out bowling with you guys. I got to. I got a bad case of the ponds. I got to. Uh, I got to stay real near the bathroom. Is that your phone ringing again? No, my bag's not here. All right, your phone has rung twice in two days. It's sort of freaking me out. I know it is weird, isn't it? All right. Once was somebody wanting me to sign up for some test messages or something. Mm-hmm. Text messages. 
wasn't interested. Who would I be texting and well, be receiving? Who sent me one? <laughs> I don't know, Tim. My I mom know. just learned how to text message. She oh, all the time. that you're going to rue the day. No, it's it's hilarious. When, when are you going to settle down? It's always misspelled. Oh, no, she's she's gotten over that. Right. <laughs> she's just, accepted her old maid of a daughter. I know. <laughs> I had to have the talk with her again. It seems like every time I visit, I'm like, Mom, I'm not going to have kids. Really? And just, she cries. Is it all? <laughs> she cries every time, and I'm like, hey, Heather's living with Michael. <laughs> I was just going to say, is it all on your sister now to reproduce? Yeah, I'm just like, Heather, you need to start popping Does up. Does Heather want kids? Yeah. Well, well she doesn't, she doesn't not want kids, but she's under, but she wants them. Oh, she's one of those likest girls that, like, it'll happen, and it'll she'll just keep it. No, 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 no. Heather's not like that at really? all. Really? No, I think that she she's has, indifferent to children. Yeah, she is. I mean, I think she wants them someday, just not anytime soon. I see. She oh, she checks the uh, on MySpace. She checks the someday. Yeah, I think, under kids. I think hers is. Let's see if it's undecided or someday. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, the solicit comes from Florida. A driver is. Bum, 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 bum. A driver is accused of intentionally running down undecided. and hitting a woman with his car because she was black, and then yelling, "All black people should die," and all all. Plenty of other racial slurs. Uh, this guy named uh, Crosby admitted to hitting wow. a woman on purpose with his car and then calling her the N-word repeatedly after breaking her leg. Uh, witnesses say then he screamed, uh, all black people need to die. Help me kill them. I saw her on the bike. No, she, he went after her To bike. whom was he shouting that? This one that he ran over. But I mean, all right. Uh, let's see. I don't have hate in my heart, he said. I just wish that she didn't hate me. Well, after saying that. Uh, this report indicated that uh, Crosby had just broken up with his girlfriend, who was involved in a relationship with a black man. He now faces uh, charges of assault and battery and simple battery. Well, okay. Uh, Rick, do you remember Jenkum? That drug was uh, that was supposedly made with fermented human feces. Of course. Whatever happened? It's a Jenky. Whatever happened with that? Why didn't news outlets give a you know we made it all up about it? That's right. Then they'd have to admit that they're full of crap. I know this email was apropos of nothing, but I'm becoming increasingly surprised at how quickly things fall out of the public consciousness these days. Chocolate Rain, or the Leave Britney Alone guy, or the Eastern European guy who made a basement dungeon to keep his children in. Fifteen minutes of fame just aren't we what they used to be. So, that's a fair point. This... I haven't thought about well, any of these guys. That's why I'm guys. wondering why Andy Dick is still around. I don't. Well, because he finds. We said the thing about Andy Dick, though, is he, he finds ways to keep inserting himself into the news, right? I suppose. So I mean, so this is okay. So Jenkum, you think you know they never did that is that is so typical well, of the, summer vacation, isn't it? I guess, and it is so typical of the news departments uh, of you Except know in in, in real media the news outlets that well I mean we never retract anything or correct anything, but. At other news outlets We're that they ran all of these sort of scare stories about, it's called Jankum. Wait, hold on. I think I have. Let's see here. And one of your 593 sound bites? Seriously, you have no idea how, how many sound bites I have. Parents need to be aware that kids are calling it by the more popular slang term, butt hash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was an actual news story. On a real news station in the United States. Let's see what else do we have here. Don't let your kids go to bed when they come home at night until you've smelled their breath. <laughs> God damn, people are stupid. <laughs> Honestly. Wait, let's listen to one more. Tonight, a Lake Oswego Grace School is on alert after a sighting of a self-proclaimed pedophile. Oh. Jack McCullough Wait, no, this is different. taking pictures of young girls at public places and public events. He's been on radio and television. He's even posted their pictures on a website. Oh, oh this is, that was the guy who was on uh, KEX. And it was like the, pic this, the picture of a sex offender right behind the KEX mic flag. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is okay. Right. How 
sexy coin. is too sexy in the workplace. No, that's Plenty not it either. Lines, short skirts, maybe high heels. Well, coming up Monday night on Coin News 6 and 9, we're going to show you what not to wear, why and how a battle of the sexes is brewing underneath it all. Definitely don't want to wear that. I stopped wearing the plunging necklines a little while ago. <laughs> I don't know where we got those pictures. That's not what you want to wear to work. Okay, we've established that. We're stuck with to help from the weather center. You what? look very appropriate this evening. Are you wearing high heels back there, Bruce? <laughs> I won't show you my stockings, okay, guys? Okay, okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I'll kill Why you all. Why did you even save that? Uh, because we were doing, I think that was the night that Coin was talking about Jenkum. And I think the deal was, and it was a little bit of theater of mine at the time, I think the deal was that they had then segued from Jenkum to another, like, Sweeps Week story where it was about how sexy is too sexy, and it was basically an excuse to have, like, 35 seconds of just boobs on the screen. Because mm-hmm. it was a lot of shots of, like, well-endowed women, like, bending over to sharpen a pencil in the office or something. And then they go right to the awkward thing where the guy's going, are you wearing stockings back there? <laughs> I lick your face when you sleep. Uh, so, I don't know why I've saved half of these things. We'll get Jim Roop here we in, like, to go five them. seconds. Yeah. Let's see. Let's, let's find... Later on today, we should just go through them. Let's, uh, but see, it won't even... It'll, it'll take weeks. It'll take weeks to do this. Let's see. What, what else do I have? Let me see if I can find um, find one more thing here that's short before we... Uh, Jesus, no, they're all, these are all, I don't know why I have any of these things. Why do I have a bunch of songs sung by Christy and Jimmy McNichol? I mean, why would I, why would I even have that in here? What's I this? I that was a gift from This is the popcorn uh, thing on the Jews harp. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I am fantastic, brother. How's life? How are things? Things are good. How are Mrs. Roop and all the little Roops? Everybody's fine. They're leaving me alone. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so they got you covering this. What is it? They told the uh, they told Susan Atkins to get bent. Yeah. To die in jail. Die old and alone, Susan Atkins. Well, no, she's not going to die. Well, she's 60. That's not old, but she's uh, she's going to die in a couple of months. That's for sure. So this is Susan Atkins is one of the uh, one of the Manson girls. Sadie Mae Glutz. You may remember that name. Worst name ever. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, and so she is one of the and she was like one of the one of the the, the Sharon Tate uh, LaBianca killers or whatever. And they She's stuck the her. The one who boasted that she tasted Sharon Tate's blood. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing you don't want to... That's going to make them look unkindly at you when parole time comes. Well, here's the deal. All during the trial, they all the Manson followers denied the murders. But once they were convicted and they get into the penalty phase, they start saying, oh, yeah, it was great. I tasted her oh, blood. The, the, those murders. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. yeah. I know which one you're talking about now. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I, I yeah. thought you meant the... the sh- was that night? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant the Schmate murders. Oh. No, I wasn't at the Schmidt and Schmlabianca murders. No, Tate. Yeah. Um, I think you could leave out the fact that you tasted the victim's blood. Like, it might slip your mind during the trial somehow. We did something else that night. Uh, let's see. We went to White Castle and uh, bumper cars. Anybody? Anybody taste any blood that yeah, night? I yeah. don't think so. No, I, I can't remember. It's all a blur. All right. Well, so long ago, you know. So she's 60. She's got uh, brain cancer or whatever, and they wanted to get her out, I guess, I mean, what is the logic of that, though? I mean, really, I mean, you're in, you know, it seems like you're in jail. You know, you're in jail. You know what I mean? Like, what, what is the difference whether you got cancer or not? Well, I, I, that, that's a good question. What's the difference whether you die in jail of something like cancer or you die in jail of old age because 
you're in light, you're in there. I mean, that's the thing. It's not like she parole. was going to get out anyway, she's right? She's been denied parole 12 times. Yeah, so. Oh, so, you know, she's not getting out. She and Charlie are having a party in there. Yeah. Know? Hey, uh, how old is that guy? Oh, God, he was. He's got to be in his 70s. He was wouldn't... 30-something when she met him, and she was 18, I think. So, and so he was like, I think, 35 maybe when he went away. So he's got to be, he's got to be in his early to mid 70s he's right now. He's old, but he's still screwy. No, he's, you know, well, he is, uh, as they say in Natural Born Killers, he is the gold standard. I, I gotta somehow get an interview with him before he croaks. Mm. I gotta get something from him. Oh, you have to. I mean, because there really is, I mean, in, in, a, in a very real way, in terms of uh, the media and the news coverage, and it really is, the, I mean, I would say it is. Uh, it, it was the first real, I don't even say celebrity trial, but I mean, it was the first real media circus, uh, you know, of the latter 20th century. I mean, it really did set the standard for a lot of those just crazy trials that came, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was the first, you know, it was the first big one, yeah. if you will. And I mean, and, and that's, and he's given so many sort of infamous interviews. I think it was, I think it was that interview with Geraldo uh, that he gave. Uh, where he was talking about, you know, I could come over this table and kill you right now. And it was just, you know, it, and just you can just look in the, that guy's eyes, and there's just a whole lot of nothing in there. That's just a big vacuum inside Charlie's head. Yeah, well, you know, must be must be something else in there. Well, they and I know that they've had to really crack down on the correspondence that he can have and, like, who can write to And I don't even think you can write to him anymore. I think they may have stopped that because at one point, I think at one point there was Charlie was doing this whole brisk business of selling locks of his hair to people, and so the deal is you'd send it, dear Charles Manson, I am your number one fan. Please, please send me some hair. You know, P.S. Hope you are having a great day. Five dollars, uh, and then Charlie would be like, here you go, and then he, last train to Clarksville, Whitey, uh, and then he would just send you back some of his hair. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, so in any event, yeah, you got to you got to pull whatever strings you need to pull. I mean, you know, you are a, uh, a... He's in Corcoran State Prison, I think, right? You know, I mean, in Northern Cal, he's not that far away. I, I mean... I think he's in Corcoran. You know, and and you know the way... I mean, you know just the, the weird, screwy way the universe works. Just like Yoko will outlive every one of the Beatles, you know that Manson uh, will outlive everybody else involved in this case. Yeah. I mean, that just sort of seems to be the way that this world operates. Yeah. So... Just, uh, just crazy. Yeah. All right. Well... Hey, IndyMac, uh, FBI just launched an investigation into IndyMac, by the way. Really? Yeah. You there... know, the same guy who founded Countrywide founded IndyMac. Well, there's so nothing suspicious uh, at all about that, no, Jim Roop. not at all, man. It's just a coincidence. Well, you know, the other day, the stock was down to something like 22 cents. I mean... Oh, yeah. God. This, you know, this whole country, man, it's like... You know what this country is? This country is like when you pull the stopper in your in your, your bathroom sink and your whiskers are just starting to circle the drain before going down. Yeah. I mean that's we really we really are in the uh, we really are in the fourth or fifth trip around the drain before going down. <laughs> All right, brother. Big plans for your afternoon? No, no, no. All right. All right, my friend. Enjoy your day. We will talk to you very soon. Thank you, sir. James Roop in Los Angeles. All right. Uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Uh, hey, Richie, what time are we talking to a uh, Dorothy Carcassari today? Uh, One forty. All right. Thank you. All right. Uh, here is uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. We'll do a few more. We'll break, come back to Dorothy Carcassari, then we'll go through some of these uh, sound bites. Hello, Tim. Uh, the fellow who appeared in the popular 1980s television show, The Family Ties, failed to appear in a Boulder courtroom today. Wait, don't... hold on. Don't tell me. Brian Bonsall. Yes. Bam! Who played Alex... Actually, he didn't play anything. He played a drooling baby. He didn't have any dialogue <laughs> or have any acting ability. He was just a crying, drooling, pooping baby. 
Uh, anyway, he was on the show from 1986. <laughs> is that what it says in his IMDb listing? <laughs> I was a uh, drooling, pooping baby to left. He was uh, due in court to address accusations of probation violation following a domestic violence incident involving his girlfriend. He's accused of failing to pay for domestic violence classes, blowing off daily breathalyzer tests, and testing positive for alcohol. These days, he's just a loser, a drummer, and a punk rock band. <laughs> wow. But did you lose your coffee? I had a mouthful of coffee right there when the CBS News Department <laughs> referred to him as, quote, just being a loser. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Uh, you know. We're not going to sugarcoat this stuff for you. We're not going to what's happening in the no, world. No, There's enough propaganda out there. We sort through it. Uh, he's, uh, he's sort of a, he's, he's sort of the, uh, the, the jankum of the entertainment industry at this point. A New Jersey woman who sued her orthopedic surgeon is having another day in court after awakening from surgery to found a, she found a temporary tattoo below her panty line. Elizabeth Mateo of New Jersey said she found a temporary tattoo of a red rose below her panty line the morning after her surgery. Dude, that is creepy. Rick, are you hearing this? She is emotionally upset. Her surgeon, Stephen Kirshner, does not deny he placed a tattoo on her. But it's a temporary tattoo. But that means yeah. she, she was rooting around in her underwear while she was out of it. Oh, wait, it was it was in her underwear? Yeah. I must have missed something. He told the, the inquirer that the doctor has left uh, washable marks on patients before. Just, wait. He's, he does it to improve what, their spirit. What kind of what kind of surgery <laughs> was she getting? I a temporary tattoo in my panties. That'll <laughs> <laughs> make me that smile. That'll the giggles. What? <laughs> That darn physician. So he's a doctor of laughter. What what uh, what kind of surgery was she getting? Uh, something about a herniated disc. It was a herniated disc. So he like put it over the stitches. Like, so that's hey. on your back, right? I'm not sure. I've never had it done before. I think your hernia, uh, herniated disc. I think it's in your spine, right? I think it's in your back. I believe so. So I then think she she woke up and there was a tattoo inside her panties. Yes, below her panty line. But it was washable. What did it say? It was a red rose. Oh, really? The shame isn't washable. <laughs> uh, it was intended to make the, the patient feel better. You know that he that giggles a lot to himself while he does that and wipes a lot of, spre- uh, a lot of sweat off his upper lip. Ew. Jesus. All right. Okay. Well, we were talking about the shark. Yes. Then there wasn't a shark on Cape Cod. Now there is a shark. A great white dead shark. Scientists have determined that a carcass found on a beach in Massachusetts. On Nantucket Island is a great white shark. Uh, Lisa Capone says shark experts haven't seen yeah. another great white washup on the Massachusetts beach in at least two decades. It's six and a half feet long. It's a lady shark. An expert from the State Division of uh, Sharks examined it. Lifeguards at Martha's Vineyard reported a possible setting of a great white last week. By the way, this email says it's good to know that very soon we'll be able to track Andy Dick's location on a map day or night now that he's sexually molested a minor, allegedly. Good times indeed. That's true. You know, if he does that, he might have to register as a sex offender. Yes. Which I suppose we all knew was just an inevitability. I mean, I think that was, we all figured that was going to happen uh, at some point. Um, let's see here. Um, what else do I have? I had some email about something or other. This email says, oh, this is about Blaze Star, that stripper. Uh, that Blaze Star film is sensational. The nudie movies of the 60s had a forbidden quality that is lost in today's porn films. Said, I would suggest uh, seeing a double bill of The Monster at Camp Sunshine and The Beast That Killed Women. Uh, the trailers for both of those films are on this DVD of mine, actually. Um, anywho, uh, and he says, uh, can't be stressed enough that she was hot, blah, 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 blah. So, um, all right, here's Tim Riley. Let's do a two more, then we'll take a break. All right. A disoriented woman holed up in a minivan and uh, repeatedly stabbing herself in the neck was shot to death by local police who thought the distraught woman was lunging at them with a knife or possibly a pickaxe. 
It turned out to be a crochet hook. Officers responded to a woman acting strangely at 3.45 in the morning, saw the woman stabbing herself in the neck with some type of implement. Knit one, stab two. They tried to get her out of the minivan, and she allegedly lunged at him at them at what they thought was a knife or a pickaxe. Then the officer fired. The officer uh, thought their lives were in danger. She was shot twice in the torso. She later died at a local hospital. I don't feel my knit one, stab two joke really got the appropriate amount of chuckling. I suppose not. Knitting needles are scary, especially like a lot of crazy people knit, too. Yeah. And you see ladies with big spikes in their hands. This email says, Tim should start text messaging so he can send out urgent news updates to the masses 24-7. We all know he's the new... You can get a Twitter account, Tim. We all know he's the new... The, uh, the, we know he's the newsman who's constantly in the march, and he should not be constrained to the average in which he can spread his vast... Uh, because I think a Twitter account is that thing where it's like you send a text message and it shows up in a blog somewhere. So it's basically like a little mini blog uh, that you can just be updating, uh, I think, from, from anywhere. Uh, Why would I want to do that? I don't really know the answer. Actually, having read it out loud now, it just seems like a, it seems like a stupid idea. I'm sorry, Tim. It's as bad as my current mood, and they show a sad face and a happy face. Who cares about what somebody's mood is? <laughs> exactly. It's have... also passive-aggressive. Who gives like... a rip? I mean, seriously. I mean, no, I'm I concerned about some person at some very moment. I have to know what their mood is. I could care less. Uh, a teen trying to earn some money over the summer to pay for his cell phone bill and car insurance is recovering after he was attacked with fireworks. On his first day on the job, 16-year-old Jacob uh, Robinson's family says somebody threw a lit fireworks through his car window as he stopped to ask for directions as he delivered food in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. The fireworks burned 15% of his body and his shirt was still smoldering when paramedics arrived. Well, now we'll have to have uh, skin grafts and is uh, requiring, uh, this is spelled wrong, it says he's recovering at a bum center. <laughs> I, I, I would think that this is a burn center in Augusta, Georgia. All right. Uh, let's take a break. We come back. We'll talk to Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer. Uh, let's see. Uh, what the hell else? Uh, we have the top five coming up today, uh, allegedly. We'll go through some of our sound bites. I never did get to this thing about this booklet on how to be a successful street teamer for CBS Radio Portland. How is that done? Oh, well, you know what it is? It has a whole list of do's and don'ts. Basic don'ts. Don't hit on the listeners. <laughs> That's part of the fun. With three exclamation marks. Yes, it, Clearly, this has been a problem in the past. All right. Don't just stand there. Are you allowed to be offensive in that? <laughs> I think you're allowed to do any two of these, yes. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, this email says, Tim is right about the Vancouver Amtrak station. You pull into what looks like a post-apocalyptic wasteland. They are Eastern Bloc-looking machinery uh, hauling piles of refuse from one pile to the other. Then you pull into the station, which is a new, shiny, cool-looking building with nice landscaping. When you pull away from the station, you immediately are plunged back into scenery where hobos are lurking around and huddled masses are yearning to be free. Also, Andy Dick looks like the Joker meeting Edward Norton. All right, there you go. Fair enough. Uh, it's uh, 503-733-2970. Uh, uh, so I meant to talk a little bit about this. So uh, this is the Welcome to the CBS Radio Portland Promotion Department Street Team Policies and Procedures Handbook. So this is after you've been hired as a street teamer? I think so. I think this is what, yeah, I, I think that they, when they hire you, you have to like read this. And then I think if I look at the back, I think there's a thing where you have to sign it. Uh, I acknowledge I oh, this is this is the so they can uh, fire you if you cause if you cause trouble. I acknowledge I have received and read a copy of CBS Radio Street Team Handbook. So this is kind of like that blue book that we all had to read about, like you know, about like don't make fun of Russians or whatever, oh, yeah. <laughs> whatever on the air. Don't, don't say that all Russians are alcoholics. 
which we don't because that's not true. Um, and uh, so I guess this is for the street team where it says, uh, let's see, mission statement to represent. And so the street teamers, uh, the street team is sort of, and that's a relatively recent term. I don't think they were called street teamers when I was coming up in radio. Tim, you? I don't think so. I don't even know what they were called. I mean, I think I think they were just sort of slaves. I mean, it's right. I mean, that's like you there. Get up, get out there and work. You know, get out there and hand out stickers all day in the sun for three dollars. I mean, that's really where we were really just wage slaves. Um, let's see. Uh, so street team, I think, is sort of a. I think that's a term that has come into vogue sort of in the last ten years. Uh, and I, you know, you should knock it. I mean, it's a good. It's. I mean, it's sort of a good way to get into the radio industry. But boy, it's just you really have to give it up to to people who work on the street team because it's like long ass hours. Mm-hmm. It's hard, often sort of tedious, often physically uh, demanding work. So you're like lifting huge boxes of like, you know, just like crap. And like here, you, here's like a here's like a thing of station banners that weighs nine thousand pounds. You'll need to take this out to the van, and then you'll need to take it out to the middle of a uh, of a concrete uh, uh, street somewhere. You'll need to take it out to the middle of an intersection, and you'll need to stand there in 104-degree heat, handing out stickers to disinterested people on the street who don't care who you are. Uh, And and by the way, uh, you're going to be paid $2 for that. So, anyway, mission statement. To represent CBS Radio Portland in a positive light to our listening audience, clients, and the general public at all times. Uh, And then it has a dress code. Uh, Let's see. No no open-toed shoes. Uh, huh. no hats, blah, 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 blah. The street team is the face of the radio station. Everything you say and do while you are wearing the station's logo is a direct reflection of CBS radio. You must be aware of this at all times and behave accordingly. Again, can I just say, by the way, that radio has changed so drastically from when I was 14, 15, 16, 17, and was just like some, just like some, some wage slave, minimum hour, minimum wage employee going out there and just handing it crap out. Because, I mean, I think about the things... Uh, I, I mean, and I think we all, just in the time that we've worked in radio together, we have known so many people at so many companies that have violated every one of these rules. Uh, so we have the do's and don'ts. Basic do's. Smile at listeners. Interact. Have fun at events. Be polite to clients, listeners, and each other. Do be productive at events. Do listen to the station at events and in the vehicles. Do ask what to do if you don't already know. Basic don'ts. Don't smoke at events. Don't cut. Don't use alcohol or any illegal substance at events or clubs. Don't use your cell phone at events. Don't hit on the listeners, it says with three exclamation marks. Uh, let's see. Don't argue with listeners, clients, or each other. And then there's something here about... Let me see here. Um, and then we'll talk to a Dorothy Carcassari here in just one moment. Ah, here we go. Vehicle rules. Now, t- to be fair, I think this is followed uh, pretty pretty closely at CBS. But we have worked at places where this was not necessarily adhered to. No alcohol is to be consumed whatsoever while on the job or while in a station vehicle. This goes for any illegal substance as well. I cannot even begin to list to you the number of radio stations where I have worked where some guy gets all boozed up in the station vehicle and then decides to take it into a parking garage where there is insufficient clearance. And it's always in a van that is like nine feet tall, and it's always driving through a parking garage where the clearance is about six and a half feet. 
uh, and they will be driving through at 2 in the morning, half-loaded, uh, with some girl that they picked up off the request lines who they're going to try to impress by giving her a ride. Would you like to see the parking garage of the radio station? Oh, boy. Would you like to, would you like to ride in the, uh, in the Hit 105 station van? Can I come pick you? Are your parents aren't at home, are they? Uh, and then they will get into the station van, and they'll be half in the bag, and then they'll try to park it, and then they'll just trash it. And didn't we know, didn't we work at a radio station where somebody actually... Parked it in a parking garage, but took <laughs> off, like, the top of it. Where somebody... Where somebody parked in a garage, and they took off, like, the top six inches of the vehicle, and... Tim has actually just found a security camera video of a of a of a guy driving through the drive-through of a bank and hitting one of the pillars and the roof is just collapsing onto his car. We've all known people who've I done think that. I was going to say I think that person used to work as a street teamer. All right. In just a moment, uh, we'll talk to our good friend uh, Susan Reynolds, who is undoubtedly calling to weigh in on this. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show uh, from the National Enquirer. Dorothy Carcassari. Hello, Dorothy. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Not as good as you because I understand that you are going to Cabo. Yes, I am. Is this And is this for vacation, if I may ask? Is this for a leisure time? No, this is actually for a preview of uh, the LG Celebrity Villas that are going to be happening uh, in the next couple of weeks. You'll be seeing them. I'm sure on Access Hollywood and Us Weekly and, you know, National Enquirer and, and everywhere. Um, and I'm actually going to, to check them out. Do you really, do you just wake up some days and go, get my life rules? I mean, you're working for the Enquirer and now you're going to Cabo as part of your job description. I mean, do you ever just sort of, do you ever just sort of look in the mirror and go, Dorothy, you are all that? <laughs> I don't wake up some days and say that. I wake up every day and say that. That's the best <laughs> answer. Good for you. You're all class. And on days that I'm invited on your show, I say it twice. Thank you so much. I appreciate that lie. It makes me smile. Um, well, I don't even I don't even know where to begin. I, I know that you probably get a billion things kind of going on right now. I mean, is, are you able to talk at all about the madness that is Andy Dick? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Let me ask you this. To, to the best of your knowledge, what does Andy Dick do for a living? How is it that that guy even pays the rent at this point? That's a very good question. Uh, he started out as a comedian, and, you know, we've seen him all in a lot of different things, but it seems like all we've been hearing about him lately has to do with him out drinking or, you know, doing drugs or, you know, taking a girl's shirt off in public. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's a shame. It seems like he might be heading for celebrity rehab soon because, as you know, last night he was out in, in you know, about an hour outside of L.A., uh, being drunk and you know uh, apparently uh, he he allegedly sexually assaulted this seventeen year old girl. I mean it's I mean and we were just reeling off a list of things that just in the last year and a half he has done, and I mean I remember watching the William Shatner roast on Comedy Central where at, at various points and it was clearly not part of like a bit or a gag or a goof or a stunt like they they didn't see it coming that he would actually just. It sounds even even just say it out loud, where he was just licking the faces of various celebrities in attendance, like, hey, you, Farrah Fawcett, and just giving it a big lick up the side of the face, which is, let's just be honest, Andy Dick is a person by whom no one wants to be licked. I mean, no one really wakes up in the morning saying, you know what, I hope today, I hope that Andy Dick gets his saliva all over me. And <laughs> they then, might be saying that about Brad Pitt or something like that, but and, probably not Andy Dick. And then right. at the William Shatter, the, the, the roast, backstage, he literally bit the hand, talking about biting the hand that feeds you, he bit the hand of a reporter. So, 
it just seems like inevitably they're going to take this guy and just stick him in a stick him in a small room with a window in it at some point. <laughs> I think that might be what he needs at this point. He clearly has completely just fallen off the wagon, and he's out causing trouble for himself, and he's making headlines, and hopefully he'll get the help that he needs. I, uh, well, I, I, he's turning into a Britney Spears of sorts. I, I, must, Britney Spears. I must confess that I, I actually haven't seen uh, the preview for the new issue, so I don't know exactly what it is. What else can we look forward to uh, from Dorothy Carcassari in the Inquirer when it hits stands? We have a lot of fun stories this week. Uh, Oprah betrays Stedman. We have Angelina's Twin Miracles. Um, Heather Locklear, talk about another person in rehab. Heather Locklear flees rehab. Uh, she's she's not doing very well at all. Uh, we have Mariah Carey and McCannon marriage in trouble already. Now, see, did and at one point I had heard that, that the Mariah Carey and Nick Cannon they wasn't even real. That it was sort of like a like a stunt wedding. But it turns out that it is real. There was some talk about that, but she's given interviews since then on the record and. I think we're going to have to take her word for it that they actually did get married. She's even talking about more weddings to come. So, you know, the, I mean, with Nick, they're thinking about having these other elaborate weddings. So we'll have to see what happens. I don't know. Now it seems that she's saying that the marriage was a big mistake. So you'll have to check out that story. All right. And by the way, just as I know you've got a lot of things going on today, can I just tell you this? And I apologize in advance if this sounds like a creepy stalker thing. But <laughs> so my wife and I were in line at one of our local supermarkets the other day, and I was, as I always do, picking up the Inquirer. And, uh, and uh, the, 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 nine times out of ten, I end up just, just buying it. So I'm just sitting there like everybody, sort of thumbing through the Inquirer, and I flipped to a story, and I think it might have been a Heather Lockley story, but I, I could be wrong about that. I apologize. And I flipped and I saw your, and it was, you know, it, the byline was Dorothy Carcassari, and I actually did this thing. I turned to my wife and I go, you know, I talk to her every week. I, uh, <laughs> I've got her phone number. Yes, try not to be jealous of me. So there you go. So you, I actually, I actually did drop your name in conversation with my wife, and she was impressed. Well, I am very flattered, and actually, if you want to stalk me even more, you can uh, turn on Nancy Grace tonight uh, from 8 to 9 on CNN Headline News. I will be on talking about Andy Dick. Done and done. All right, travel safe. Enjoy your trip. We will talk to you soon, Dorothy. Thank you. All right, thanks a lot. Dorothy Costasari from the National Enquirer. Fantastic. She's younger than all of us and far more successful. Try not to drink tonight. Uh, by the, we'll talk to Susan in one second. This email is great, though. Rick, uh, this is from somebody who would know. Dude, your comment about drunk driving the station vehicle is exa exactly a Richard Nunn move. One time he broke the gate at a smart park instead of paying for parking since it was really late at night and they were closed. Oh. <laughs> okay, you see Richard Nunn doing that? Yes. I'm not paying. It's <laughs> right, through the, right through the gate in the WB's vehicle. Good for you. Uh, CBS Radio Portland Marketing Guru Susan Reynolds. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm fantastic. We were just going through the Street Teamer uh, uh, procedures and policies yes. book. Yes. I like how the "Don't hit on the listeners" has multiple explanation <laughs> marks behind it. Well, apparently, you know. How many of these things are in the book because there have been specific incidents requiring their inclusion in the book? Um, I'm gonna say probably 97 <laughs> percent. Have you, of course, not at CBS Radio no, Portland, no. but you undoubtedly have worked at stations in the past where, and it always does seem to be the station vehicle uh, involved in these things. Well, if you think about it, it's, you know, you're out of the office. So, you know, you sort of feel a little bit, and when I say you, I don't mean you, one might feel kind of invincible. Yes. But the one thing I always try to remind them is that, you know, when you're driving that vehicle, you're, you're not anonymous. 
they have giant <laughs> logos. <and all. laughs> you know, when you're inside the vehicle, maybe you forget. That's probably true. There's a huge identifier. Screw that. How am I driving? Call this number. There's like yeah. the actual name of the radio station on the side. And believe me, people don't hesitate to call. I've gotten more calls. Uh, in in my years of you know, hey, your vehicle is you know tailgating me, flipping me off, cutting me off, speeding down the front I'm avenue just, at seventy five miles an hour. I'm know. just picturing the KU of O Hummer just going through a red light like a oh. busy intersection. Oh, you know, so it, yesterday, as you know, I was doing my street team boot camp. Yes. And I have a PowerPoint presentation that I go through, and I'm showing all sorts of examples of things that were great and things that weren't so great. And I have a picture of the Hummer parked in front of a fire hydrant. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Now, this is, you know, years ago and several vehicles ago and several teams ago. Well, there, there wasn't a handicap space available? Well, actually, uh, there was another incident one time where uh, one of the station vehicles was parked in the uh, handicap space of at course. a Taco Bell where they were running in for something quick to eat. So Who could possibly know? They'll never find. Yeah, oh. I got that call like before they were even probably wow. uh, out of the out of the line. You may me. not remember this when we first got the AM nine seventy vehicle <laughs> last year. God, I love radio. I don't want. Can we be very clear about that? I mean, a lot of times we complain or we gripe or we carp or we bitch or we moan because radio is simultaneously just so great and so awful. I mean, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> oh, just, I do. There's just there's no industry quite like radio, and I really do love it. And I think sort of. Not even really complaining, but I mean, just sort of telling these stories and just sort of, you know, just talking about stuff like this is really part of what, that is part of the the joy and the love of this industry. But I don't know if you remember when we first got the AM 970 vehicle, we got a call on the air where somebody was calling in to report that he was going the wrong way down a one-way street. (laughs) And it was like, hi, Rick Emerson. Yeah, your vehicle's going the wrong way down a one-way street downtown right now. Stat. You know? Oh, there are so many great stories. And when I say great, I really mean horrible. Seriously. <laughs> and then because in your mind's eye, you immediately cut to the cop pulling the guy over as a local news team descends on the scene. Oh, sure, because that is Jesus. the one time they're going to mention your station oh, name, your yeah. call letters, what time your show is on. Yeah, you, you know. do something good, it's a local radio station. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get caught groping a listener or selling cocaine. Uh, that's oh, when they say, well, blah, blah, blah. And they name your call. They, they show the logo. Oh, you know, they give every detail they have ever found about your station. Yeah, and that's where you see, like, like the program director or the GM shifting uncomfortably in their seat as the static camera shot is on them. Going, you know, they're, they're waiting for you outside when you come out to go to your car. Did you know the station was selling heroin to five-year-olds? And it's, um, I, uh, you know, it, it's a, it is a great job because there's so many interesting and different people around here. But there are so many things that can happen. And, you know, the stations are out at all these different events. I mean, every single thing is different. You're dealing with people. I mean, it just there's a myriad of things that can go sideways on you. And so, you know, one of the things we try to tell them is, hey, just, you know, try to use some common sense and some good judgment, and you should be fine. But We were just talking about how radio has just changed, even in, you know, the, the time that I've been in it. And I've been in it, I guess, a long time. But, I mean, you know, just in the last, you know, however many years, Radio has gotten so corporate in so many ways, which I guess is both good and bad. But but things are just... I mean, you cannot get away with the sort of crap that DJs used to be able to try to pull. Oh, that is I mean, so true. You know, because the thing is that DJs, I mean, and I say this as a guy who I was a DJ for a long time, and I'm really just a, as Don and Mike would say, I'm just a glorified rodeo clown now. Uh, but, I mean, DJs have this thing of all thinking that they're rock stars, you know. They they all, and so they, they do get a little bit of that sort of like pirate mentality, mm-hmm. where it's just like they sort of just get away with anything because they work on a radio station. But it used to be so much worse. I remember walking by the control room, 
and hearing conversations where the guy is on the air with the call. You know, he's it's not on the it's it's not on the air, but he's he's talking to the caller like through the speakerphone or whatever. Oh, yeah. And where the DJ is saying things like, so uh, so have you ever have you ever met a real DJ? <laughs> well, I'm going to be off the air at midnight. Uh, uh, yeah. Come on over and we'll smoke some hash. <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> or I remember being this. Look, uh, I'll uh, I'll drive by in the Hit 105 video van, and uh, there's a lot of room in the back of that. Uh, and uh, are your your parents aren't home? Okay, that's great. I'll uh, yeah, about 12:30. Yeah, you just look you look for the hip, you look for the Power 105 van when it pulls up out front. You know, and just and you you just think to yourself like, who are these people that I work with? Yeah, and so Ugh. and hence comes the rule: nobody in the station vehicle that's not an employee. But and that's in here's another one. By the way, we're looking through this. Uh, let's see. Never are you to use sta- station or client prizes for personal gain. Oh. And then you specifically note, and this is where I know that you have worked in radio for a long time. <laughs> it says you cannot sell them or trade them for food. <laughs> <laughs> The oh. fact that you have to specifically note that you are not supposed to trade station prizes for food. Well, I mean, you just can't believe some of the stuff. I had a team one time, a couple of people from the team who were out at a concert at the Rose Garden. You know, I mean, fairly typical type of event. And um, they were taking some of the station prizes, tickets maybe even, to the concert and trading them for you know, illegal DVDs, you know. Uh-huh, yes. And, of course, they got caught, and then I had to bring them into my office, and one denied and one came clean, and so I brought them both in, and I said, hey, look, one of you is not telling the truth. And so the person who was lying put her head down in her lap and never once sat up again until the meeting was over. <laughs> was that person shown the door? Yeah, pretty much. Excellent. But did they try to, did they try to keep their job by saying they were the S? No, that was somebody else. You know, there's just been so many things. I, we need to write a book someday. I have to tell you that it's just called Because I'm the S. Uh, <laughs> the I have the, the one thing I remember in a station that even I won't identify, just to say it was in another state, uh, a radio station where I used to work. And, I mean, there was a pizza place down the road, and it was just known. It was There was like a whole... There was a whole system of currency exchange. Like when you go to like Spain or whatever, and you got to change. I don't know what the money is in Spain, the euro or whatever. Where you go and you like exchange your, you know, what is the exchange rate for dollars to euros? You know, how many Deutschmarks can I get with my ten dollars? Where there was a pizzas to CDs exchange rate, <laughs> and the and the DJ would be on the phone going, "Look, uh, yeah, I need if I could get a large pizza. Well, I got that new Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a Pearl Jam fan." Uh, how about I give you this Jeff Buckley live double disc? Okay, great. I'll give you that in exchange for it. Pepper. Can I get, uh, can I get pineapple on that? Great. That's wonderful. And I mean, it was just, and I think when you got the job at the pizza place down the street, I think it must've been part of the, or like, I think the pizza place had their own employee manual and part of their manual was, Hey, the radio station down the street is run by shiftless cokeheads <laughs> that will trade you, uh, DVDs and CDs for pizza. So, good God. Yeah. Radio is quite fantastic. It really is. Oh, hey, here's another one, by the way. Just I know you're, you're probably very busy on KCMD Portland, but I have to say this. While in the station, what, that is, this should even have to be pointed out. While in the station vehicle, you must listen to the radio station for which you work. Well, this this would seem obvious, yes, but I can't count the number of times I've gotten into one of our station vehicles. I turn the thing on, and they don't even bother to turn the radio off. <laughs> so you turn the key, you start up the rig, and it comes blaring out Z100 coming know, something. Out. <laughs> you know, and you're like, okay, I guess it's time to have the talk again. Seriously, there were um, 
Well, I, I uh, shall I say it? Well, never mind. I oh, almost, go I, ahead. Did you and I not have a discussion at one point about someone, uh, uh, someone in a building very similar to ours? <laughs> Who actually had another radio station playing while working the front desk? <laughs> I mean, yeah. what goes through your head? <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting in the front. Maybe I'll listen to Lars. Well, you know, I guess you, you could make a case for wanting to keep up with the competition, but yes, you know, that right. would be that would require quick thinking, and somehow I don't think that was what no. was happening. No. All right, Susan Reynolds, you are a true radio well, soldier. Oh, I, I will tell you, there was a, a great picture that was going around at some point of a radio station somewhere. I can't even remember where it was. And the name of the station was Hits, whatever. Right. You know? And it was all along the side of the vehicle. It was a van, you know, and it had the van doors that kind of slid open. Uh-huh. So when you slid the van door open, the 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 S from the end of Hits moved to the front of the word. <laughs> <laughs> and there are some great pictures of that. That is fantastic. I thought so, too. Excellent. All right. Hey, by the way, uh, while I get you on the phone, we gave away uh, a pair of those uh, Regal Passes for the Dark Knight. Do we have an addition? Do we have one more pair? Well, you had two, so I don't know. Two Tickets or two pairs? Two pairs. Okay, we have, so then we have one more pair to give away. Yes, and that is going to be some good, fun times. Can I just tell you this? Uh, in the last, we were talking about this, in the last 72 hours, mm-hmm. of the of the tickets in in the United States of America, of the tickets to movie theaters that were sold online, 90% of those ticket sales right now are for The Dark Knight. And probably for Tiger. There are more than 700 <laughs> Dark Knight showings already sold out. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to be uh, unbelievable. All right, Susan Reynolds, God bless you. You're doing the Lord's work. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Susan Reynolds, CBS Radio Portland Marketing Group. That's wonderful. Whew. Well, we can't break now. Uh, so uh, we got the top five coming up. Uh, we have this terrible song. We have uh, more from... So we have another pair of Dark Knight tickets. We should probably do that today, don't you think? Oh, yeah, totally. Just tomorrow, there's just not going to be... Uh, all right, uh, Richie Bristol, here, let's do this. Let's take a, another, uh, we'll do another round of this here. We'll take caller number five right now to play for a pair of tickets to see The Dark Knight. Don't forget, we are there at the Regal Cinemas in Tigard tomorrow night. Uh, that is tomorrow night for the midnight showing. Tomorrow night at midnight. Are there directions on the website of how to get there? Yeah, um, yeah, there are. If you go to uh, 970.am, you click on the uh, little thing next to the Wise with Serious Joker poster. We're going to be there tomorrow night. You'll be able to find out more about it there. You can buy your tickets. Uh, but we'll take caller number five right now at 503-9... Jesus, I called, totally forgot the number there. Wow. 503-733. A little glimpse into my future. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you want to play for a pair of tickets to see The Dark Knight. Uh, we'll do that. It, we should also, you were pointing this out, that we have all of these sound bites here. Yeah, I want to hear what you have in there. Um, the thing is, we have, there's so many. I mean, it's going to take... It, it, should I take weeks? This will be like the thing... We don't need to do all of them at the second bit. Labeling the bumper few. music. All right. Um... All right, let's see here. So let's just we'll just go through these sound bites one by one here and see what we've got. Um, all right, I don't even keep in mind. I plead ignorance of these. I don't even know what some of these are. Some of these sound bites in the Rick Emerson sound folder here are so old. I don't even remember. I don't remember anything about them. Uh, let's see. What is this? So it's obviously Klingon. What is that? It sounded like Klingon. Yeah, I think it is, but what is he saying? Is it Jim the Klingon? I don't really know. 
I mean, it really can. I mean, one one, one batch of Klingon language <laughs> sounds like another. I don't know what he's saying. I don't know why I own that. I don't know why it's here. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? James Brown is dead. Although today James Brown died. I think that's because James Brown was dead. Can I delete that one? Mm-hmm. We should go. To, we should just vote delete or keep on these. I have to delete the Klingon one too. I don't think we need that. Okay. It pains me to do it. All right. Deleting the Klingon thing. All right. The James Brown is dead. We can delete. All right. Yes. Uh, let's see. The Andy Sounder. We want to keep that one. Um, let's see. What is this? God, this is that thing of Carl Rove rapping. Oh, man. Speaking of things that we were obsessed with and forgot all about. That's true. It's cruel to see. But he's going to be about animal cruelty. He's a man. He's a treasure trove. Tell me, what is your name? I'm MC Rove. That's right. Keep or delete? To keep. Keep. Because right. there might be something funny coming up with Carl Rove. Uh, let's see. The I barely knew her voice. Um, let's see. How's your woodcock doing? Oh, my darling little woodcock. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot all about that. And you know what else I forgot? Is how much she sounds like Kathy Bates. Oh, my darling little woodcock. That sounds just like Kathy Bates. How's your woodcock doing? My darling little woodcock? Yes. Ew. Mm Mm-hmm. Jenny has traffic. All right. I'm yes. nervous, but here's my rap. I forgot all about this, too. We'll let this play to the end, and then we'll do the Richie thing. have a good, good drive today. There ain't no problems on the major roadways. Looking, looking at country club. Things will look pretty good like Robin Hood. Wow. Now I'm moving across the triad, yo. It ain't too bad. No, 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 no. Now things look nice on 68, and I know you ain't going to be late. So that was your traffic rap today. Man, let's get some weather from my Weather get girl, uh, Austin Cabin. Us, come on, give us a weather boy. Give it to us. Word. <laughs> oh, there you go. oh boy, Jenny, it's weather guy. By the way, that is something. Wow, oh, I can't believe so we've gone genius. so long without playing. I don't even remember the last time we played that. Oh, I like this game. After Richie, can we do this a little bit more? Yes, we can. All right, All right. ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. To play Richie Bristol Trivia for a pair of tickets to see The Dark Knight. Don't forget, AM 970 is there at the Regal Cinemas in Tigard uh, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, tomorrow night. Uh, let's see. Let's go to caller. Uh, all right. Hello, sir. Are you ready to play Richie Bristol Trivia? I'm ready, baby. Let's do it. All right, yeah. sir. Here's the deal. I'm going to give you three facts about Richie Bristol. One of them is made up. You must tell me which one of these facts is false. All right? Oh, I thought maybe if you read all three and I didn't burst into tears, then I'd win. (laughs) Well, no. Okay. All right. Here we go. Fact number one. Richie repeated the 12th grade. Fact number two. Richie's mother used to dress him in women's clothes. Fact number three. Richie has a name for his penis. This is a hard one. This is... This is really hard. Two of those are real. One of them is not. Uh, I believe that Richie's mother did not dress him in in women's clothing. Is this your final answer, sir? Final answer number two. All right. Sadly, my friend, you are incorrect. Are you kidding? Richie's mother. Richie's mother did, in fact, used to dress him in women's clothing. Oh, I'm sorry, Richie. Also, Richie did, in fact, repeat the twelfth grade. 
Wow. Richie, though, inexplicably. Did you ever ask him if he has a name for his penis? Uh, yeah, I, th- I did ask. I think we discussed that with him a long time ago. Or maybe I did. I think there was some... Yeah, I think it was like a private conversation. <laughs> hey, Richie, what do, you, what do you call your penis? I mean, you can tell me. Oh, man. I think in the early days of the Pim Squad, that was somehow brought up. Uh, so, know, yes. This is, uh, this, this, is, this is Calvin, the uh, hot blading fan guy. Oh, uh, well. Oh, Calvin. Uh, if only thought, you're, if you've o- done so much for us. If only your listenership went deep enough to really know this. All right. Well, sorry, my friend. Uh, better luck All next right, time. All right. No, thank you, on. sir. God uh, bless you. Yes. Yes, Richie was dressed in women's clothes uh, by his mother. All right, uh, hi, we'll do one more attempt. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Are you ready to play Richie Bristol Trivia? Sure. All right, I'm going to give you three facts about Richie Bristol. One of them them fabricated. Are you ready? Sure. Fact number one. Richie has a scar on his face from an explosion that happened while he was making homemade dynamite. Fact number two. Richie was raised in the Mormon faith but left the church rather than serve a mission overseas. Fact number three. Richie's hip-hop name is Money Shot. Oh, you're killing me, man. One of those is false. The other two are true. Uh, I'll have to say number two is false. This is the Richie was raised in the Mormon faith but left the church rather than serve a mission overseas. Yeah. Is that your final answer, sir? Sure, why not? You are correct. You are correct. Richie did, in fact, manufacture homemade dynamite to sell to his friends. It then exploded, scarring his face. Also, his hip-hop name is, in fact, Money Shot. All right. This this is Lauren, by the way. Hi, guys. Hello, Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Congratulations, my friend. You are are winning. You are now winning a pair of tickets. (laughs) Uh, You have won a pair of of tickets uh, to see uh, The Dark Knight at Regal Cinemas in Tiger. Congratulations, sir. Hey, well, thank you very much, All Mr. Right. Emerson. I'm going to put you back Warren, on you are going to enjoy it heartily. Uh, Rich, if you will get his information, uh, he is going to see uh, The Dark Knight at the Regal Cinemas in Tigard. All right, congratulations. There you go. Done Yay. and done. All right. Um, now back to sound bites. By the way, just because we're not going to get a chance to really use these, uh, let me just give the other ones here. Um, well, I'll save these. You know, we might be able to use yeah, yeah, yeah. trivia for something else. All right. Well, let's do a couple more of these here. Uh, and then we'll do the worst song ever into the break, uh, and then we'll come back with Tim Riley in the top five. Uh, let's see. Um... It's really quiet. I think that's me over here. Radio. Oh, the low. I forgot about this. This is his follow song. <laughs> Yo, FMDJs, yo, it's midday, so here's your fix. Just like Rick Emerson consuming his chocolate checks fix. Back harder than ever. Oh, you were so I still haven't perfected looking like I'm working when it's on. We don't have time to play the whole thing. Unfortunately, like four minutes long. All right, I'll keep that one. I'll keep that one. We'll, we'll play that uh, maybe tomorrow. Uh, let's see. What else? Are you know? asking yourself, where can I score George Carlin tickets without having to work? Or <laughs> probably not. Spend any energy. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you may not be asking yourself, where can I get George Carlin tickets? It's here for you to become an AM970 glorious bastard. Go to 970.am. Ten pairs of tickets and a George Carlin CD will be given away randomly to people. So this is when Carlin was at uh, the Schnitzer, I think, and we gave away and tickets. Alive. And alive. And, and also alive. Well, I could delete that one. I don't uh, I don't think we'll be using that. All right, there you go. Uh, let's see, what else? I don't think the inconsistency... <laughs> I can't even talk. 
I don't even know what the sound effect is. It's just labeled F. Fireworks? Maybe. Yeah, we wanted fireworks for something. That sounds really bad. Okay. Yeah, we'll delete that. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else do we have? Scotty J. This is David Cassidy. I don't know what else to say, except... You're not going <laughs> to amount to Jack Squad! He's up, Scotty. End of message. <laughs> wow. you got to hang on to that. Do I have to keep of that? Of course, yes. Keep, keep that in my archives? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so we're just going through our sound. Do, do you realize I, I'm only like eight in to 587? Awesome. You love that. I know, but do I ever use it for anything? Not, I guess every once in a while. Well, I'll keep it. Yeah. All right. All change. Don't you know that when you play at this level, there's no ordinary menu. Bologna and bread. What would you need this for? Who made this? Paris. This seems like a Scotty J joint. One night in what? Paris. You're done. Is that like somebody's attempted a Paris watch theme? Do you suppose? When was this made? I think this was made May tenth, two thousand seven. But this is That's still in the Scotty J era. All right, I'm going to delete that. There's, there's no need for that. Uh, let's see. Let's say hello to Chad. Chad is in Portland, Oregon, home of the other white meat. The Tom Likas show. Hello. Oh, pretty good there, Chad. What up? This is a listener of ours that I just happened to hear him calling the Likas show, and we pulled it to make it into a promo. Okay. And this is where he's like, uh, if you're listening to KXL, that's the size of the women. They're all XLs. It's that, that like his oh, promo. Yeah. This is the raw audio of that call. Okay, I don't need that anymore. Okay. All right, we'll delete that. Uh, let's see. Come on, Jim. Mm, keep or delete? Come on, Jim. Oh, you've got it over there, so I'll get <laughs> yeah. rid of that. All right, here we go. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? What? <laughs> this was in a boy... This was an aborted bit. Uh, do you remember when I was that one day? Is the spinner from the Game of Life? No, no, nor is it a doorstop thingy. This is a prize wheel. And remember, it's because I was going to do that whole Rick Emerson, because we have so much stuff we never get to, and I was going to use this for the, the Rick Emerson wheel of topics. Mm-hmm. And then I was going to spin this. And then when it ended, I was going to be like, and now we'll talk about, and then I would pick something from the pile of stuff we hadn't gotten to. But here's where this all fell apart. It all fell apart because it... Because it's not really a wheel, it's just a sound effect. And so it was still on me to like look at the pile and pick something, which we've already figured out I can't do. I'm I'm incapable of, okay, we're gonna do So it didn't that. alleviate your laziness. No, no, there's no point to it at all. All right. Let's go through a few more of these and then we'll run. Here we come. I have no idea why the monkeys theme song is in here. No, I'm just deleting that without even listening. Uh let's see. Hell is that? I'll go play it again. <laughs> is that a person or a donkey or somebody imitating a donkey? It sounds like a donkey. <laughs> I honestly have no <laughs> idea what that is. Maybe we should just delete that. I'm going to make this my ringtone. (laughs) 
I have no idea what that. What the hell? <laughs> Tim just came in and gave us donkey vomiting. I don't know. Okay, let's let's dissect this. <laughs> that looks like a person. That sounds like Chris from Family Guy for a minute, as though he's about like gearing up for a scream. <laughs> That's where it turns, right there. <laughs> that, I, I have no idea what that even is. I have to play it one more time. <laughs> what the hell? Tim, does the CBS Radio News Department have a guess? I still say it's a donkey vomiting. <laughs> okay. I'm going to keep that one. All right. Uh, keeper will never be able to. The FM 100 Morning Show has Mother's Day prize packages to hand out. I have no idea what this is. To Brian and Jill, Monday morning, probably around 6.15 or so. That's how you get your day started with a lot of fun and those 30 minutes. I suspect this might be some sort of a DJ mistake. Yeah. The music sets. Let's see how the roads are rolling with Time Saver Traffic. Here's Christy Snow. This is a Christian radio station, if I remember correctly. Oh, she, she freaks out. Thanks, Bill. And several issues to pass along the major roadways beginning to clear out nicely. Southbound I-15 looking better from 33rd South all the way out to the 44th South. Heading into Davis County, you'll still run into some slowing in the bountiful area for the most part. People are moving pretty well. And we're grateful for this wonderful day. And we humbly say these things in the name of thy son, Jesus Christ. Amen. She's intoxicated. <laughs> She's totally drunk and religious. Drunk on the blood of God. That's from Utah, KSFI. That is a, that's a Utah, that's a Salt Lake City radio station. All right, keep or delete? Nah. Tim, keep or delete? All right. All right. We're, goodbye, uh, Christy Snow, KSFI. Uh, all right, let's see. No, we got to keep that. Yeah. Uh, how about this? This is the theme song to the show Fish starring Abe Vigoda. This was going to be Steve Kastenbaum's theme. Nah, I can get rid of that. We don't need that. Uh, let's see. <gasps> I found a clean version of this. By clean, I mean uh, uh, in like audio not, terms. Not like off the radio? I found an original. Because, you know, we lost the happy effing birthday song. I found, I still have to edit it because it's, it's, it's uncensored. I found a clean copy of this in my archives at home the other, I was doing kind of this same thing at home the other day. I was going through a bunch of my crap. I'm just going to delete that now because I found a clean copy at home. Cool. All right. Uh, let's see here. Um, okay, that's Steve Kastenbaum. I, I don't need that, right? Because you've yeah, got it. it. All right. Let's see. Uh, I keep saying we're going to do one more, but this is really enough gonna, is enough. kind of addictive. I've had it with these mother snakes on this mother plane. Nah, we can get rid of that. You think so? Yeah. All right, okay. I mean, when do you ever see us playing that? Yeah, that's true. I can't, I can't really. This is true. Some of these, it's like you don't. It's like you don't want to get rid of them, but you have to realize it's like a. It's like having a book you realize you're never going to read again. Uh, let's see. This is from the Rick Emerson book, book Club, which we've just we've sort of discontinued that. I mean, yeah. when do we, we have Powell's, you know, we talk about it with Powell's now, but we don't really do the book corner anymore. No, not okay, really. Okay, I can get rid of that. All right. I could do this all day. I know, me too. Is this interesting to anybody else? Some of them were funny. All right. 
Oh, it's Anne's thing to do so. How much does this sound like it ought to be in the Juno soundtrack? Mm. Anne's a really talented singer. She's an, uh, a singer per se. All right. I don't think I need that. Nick, uh, I have it. All right. Let's see here. That's from Uncle Buck. Okay, I don't ever use that, though. I'm going to delete that. Uh, let's see here. We're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. <laughs> we can't ever get <laughs> no, rid of that. we can never we get rid of that. We have to keep that one forever. Uh, okay, this is the last one. This is the popcorn... Uh, this is the popcorn theme is done. This isn't even like 8-bit sound. I think it's like Atari sound. Sounds very 70s. All right, we'll keep this. Back after this with Tim Riley, the news, and the top five. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Our shooting suspect is badly hurt after he knocked out his door. Well, the man in the bedroom is waiting, and his weapon of choice, an oscillating fan. An oscillating fan. Well, the man in the bedroom is waiting, and his weapon of choice, an oscillating fan. An oscillating fan. Mr. Fan was greeted by a man armed with an oscillating fan. He beats the suspect down the stairs for the oscillating fan. Fan like ham? Right. Okay. Armed with an oscillating fan. Long fan. Okay. The victim of the fan attack. Back up for a second. An oscillating fan. An oscillating fan. Okay. Mr. Dong Fan. Ham with a P in front of it, which makes it a fan. An oscillating fan. An oscillating fan. Okay. An oscillating fan. Mr. Fan and the fan. Mr. Dong Fan. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Take it away, Tim. Nothing with journalism. (laughs) By the way, the donkey was for when a listener was an ass on the phone, says Scotty, the sound man, Jay. Is that he's working in his new witness? Did he call him the the sound man? He's hard at work. Scotty, the sound man, Jay. (laughs) You can't give yourself a nickname. Name in the office. Is that like his superhero name? I guess so. Scotty the Closer. Um, shouldn't he be, I mean, uh, earning money for his family? Yes. Maybe he is. <laughs> I think we all know that's not true. So is this to be played whenever a caller came off like an ass on the phone? That's correct. So I to Scotty the Soundman J. So like, so let's act this out. So, the, so this is, I would be taking a call, and the caller would say something stupid or obnoxious yeah. or otherwise dumb, and then I would say, you, sir, are an ass. In other news, <laughs> a Vancouver woman who accidentally donated a fake can of soup full of her family jewels has her jewels back. She found them? Really? Teresa Heckle misplaced the can. I don't want my family jewels in a jewelry can. Box. <laughs> so she was very generous. She gave away the can to charity, thinking she's going to feed the hungry. Well, she didn't know that 
Well, it was full of the family jewels. According to the Columbia newspaper, a volunteer who heard the story found the can and a load of food at the Clark County Adventist Services. The volunteer said she shook the can and heard a jingling sound. She opened it up, found a ring, bracelet, earrings, and a necklace. So they gave it back to the lady. An Australian man convicted of his seventh drink driving charge had been spending $1,000 a week on beer and up to buy more than 2,500 small bottles a month. He's heartbroken and uh, drowns in sorrows due to a breakup with uh, his wife. Uh, he's also the father of four, but he has quit drinking, and he's been banned from buying or even holding a can of beer for 12 months. Excellent. Let's see. One more. Uh, police officer Tom Pinchon's first day on the job went poorly. Less than a half hour into it, he wrecked his squad car in a crash. He was inside the house at 1229 when uh, someone hit his new squad car parked outside, as well as a tree. He was 29 minutes into the first day of his job, parked outside when the car was struck. What is he doing home on his first day of the job inside the house? I don't really know, but can I tell you, as a result of hearing the oscillating fan thing, sometimes when you're doing your news, I hear everything you're doing in terms of like a particular rhythm. Mm-hmm. You know, what is he doing home? He's parked the car in front of his house on his first day at work. <laughs> you know, and it's like I hear like some sort of a backbeat uh, behind it. Uh, by the way, this email says, Rick, there's a guy listening to us on the live stream. Rick, the PSA for the blind climbing guy just played on your live stream. My brain automatically inserted the word gay in the PSA where the announcer said blind. <laughs> we should have some sort of a filter that whenever the word blind is used, it just switches to gay. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then we could do the opposite, and there could be some sort of a, <laughs> there could be some sort of a blind pride march. <laughs> it's a blind pride march. Yeah. All right. <laughs> this email says, I like how Tim sounds vaguely threatening when he says an oscillating fan in the remix. <laughs> he seems so angry. It is. You do sound sort of sinister. Well, it's because that was the 17th time he was trying to describe it to you. And you're like, a fan? A brave man beats a man named Fan with a fan as he wrestles the gun out of his hands. <laughs> I don't understand. Mr. Fan was beaten with a fan. What is going on in this news story? Well... Our shooting suspect is badly hurt. It's his weapon of choice. Well, the man in the bedroom is waiting, and his weapon of choice... Right here. An oscillating fan. An oscillating fan. Well, the man in the bedroom is waiting, and his weapon of choice... An oscillating fan. You sound vaguely An menacing. Fan. Mr. Fan. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, should we do the top five? Let's do it. All right. right. Five, four, three, two, one. Seamus says that he thinks I played the donkey sounder while the caller is blabbing away. <laughs> that makes more sense. I don't remember it though. I don't think we can. I don't think we can do it though because because didn't we deliberately have the phone system in here set up so that the caller hears everything we play? Probably. <laughs> Which would actually, I guess, be even more effective in conveying the point that we think they suck. <laughs> if the, Rick, I have a very important point to make, and that point... <laughs> I guess that really would send the message that we were less than interested in whatever your point was. <laughs> Here's Tim Riley. And as we count down the days until AM 970's premiere of the Dark Knight, we ponder the concept of darkness. We what? Ponder. Okay, ponder. 
Uh, no mere abstraction. Darkness, darkness looms large as a tangible force in the world of melody and lyrics. These uh-huh. are the top five dark songs. I will mention going to uh, Leonard Cohan. Uh, uh, by the river is dark. These are the top five dark songs of all time. By the way, as I think I said uh, the other day, this whole this list is like half buzzkill. It's just because I think. It's like you don't really write. I was thinking about this. You don't really write a lot of happy songs uh, that are about darkness. So uh, this list is, I would say, four sixth uh, downer. You know. So uh, what are you gonna do? I hit the post there. I wandered on. Why? How cool is Leonard Cohen? I think he was seventy-two when he did this. He's way cooler than I could ever be, and he's you know. He's like a, uh, what do you call it, septuagenarian? Whatever it is. Seventy-something? Yeah, he may in fact be the coolest person who's ever lived. He just sort of breathes all these lyrics. Leonard Cohen songs all sound like the soundtrack to something that doesn't quite exist yet. Some kind of like trippy, dreamy movie. Totally. Or, like a dream sequence or something. This would be like in the montage on CSI where David Caruso is like cruising the streets late at night, looking at the rain-soaked window at the neon lights. Or Dexter driving around. <gasps> yes. And it would be cutting back and forth, so to speak, between Dexter and between like Deb, who's at home, like looking through books of serial killer methodology, and Dexter's cruising the streets looking for his victim. victim. And then they get to, like, LaGuardia or somebody who's, like, typing away at the squad house late at night, and then this is playing in the background. Yeah. Well spotted. Good for you, sir. Uh, Top five dark songs, Tim Riley. Number five, Bob Dylan, not dark yet. This is a pretty, uh, this is a pretty great song. I'm not a huge uh, Dylan fan, but this is really, really good. Another song done late in his career, I think. This one just came out maybe five or six years ago. This is from the uh, Time Out of Mind album. Shadows are falling, and I've been here all day. It's too hot to sleep. I think this is a whole, uh, I'm fixing to die song. You know, Bob Dylan, you got to give it up to him. He continues to put out new music. You know, he could just do that, that The Who thing of just continuing to tour on the same crap over and over again. Great song. Uh, counting on the top five dark songs of all time. Number four, Death Cab for Cutie in the Dark. I a, love this song. A great song. I also this was the Postal Service. This is Death Cab. This is Death Cab for Cutie. I mean, it's just Ben Gibbard and his guitar. But... Yeah. Great song. Great. Actually, both. Have you seen both videos for this? Mm-mm. They're both. I don't think I've seen either video. Jesus. Uh, so there's two videos for this song. And how much does this sound like a great kind of Paul Simon sort of a thing? Um. God, what a great... You know, I, when I saw these guys at the Edgefield a few weeks ago, he sang this. It was just as beautiful then. Except for the frat guy in front of me going, F you! Yeah! Um, there's two videos for this. There's one 
which is kind of a conceptual video where he's sitting, he's like in a, in a studio apartment, and he's sitting on his bed with the guitar playing this, and as the video is going on, he notices a hole in the floor. And over the course of the video, the hole in the studio apartment floor gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and the hole, of course, symbolizes death. And he starts backing further and further into the corner of the room because the hole is sort of, he's, there's a huge hole opening up in his, and at the end, he finally just falls into the hole because it's so big it was inevitable that he would fall into it he falls into the hole and lands and realizes that it's actually just another room and walks off and so it's this great death metaphor there the second video for this which is only on the DVD that came out although you can watch it on YouTube the other video for this song I almost don't want to give it away except to say that the second video for this song is a first-person perspective of looking through a children's picture book. So it's one static shot of a children's picture book, and you just see hands turning the pages, and it tells a whole story in pictures as you are paging through this children's picture book. And I mean, at the end, really, if you are not crying like a small child, you have no heart. I mean, it's beautiful, though. You really got to see it. It really is beautiful. It's just like a giving tree kind of story. It's very much like a giving tree story. That book still makes You really ought to see it just because it's beautiful. So there you go. Big pick me up. Here's your top five, Tim. Number three, Ozzy Osbourne, shot in the dark. There we go. That's that's a little pick me up right there. See, I told you the list ended on an up, though. So we have this one, then there's one more, then then the number one. This is from the uh, Ultimate Sin album. Bad hair look for Ozzy in this era. And he's wearing a big, uh, he's wearing a big sparkly bathrobe in this video, too. It, just does, it does him no favors. This video does has that really, it has that really hot chick in it, though, who turns into a demon at the end. Top five dark songs of all time. Tim Riley. Number two, The Commitments at the Dark End of the Street. And I know that Percy Sledge did a version. At the dark But this is really, to me, I know it's heresy to a lot of people, but The Commitments version of this song is really definitive. Oh, I want to watch this movie again today. You've mentioned it twice and it's stuck in my head now. Borrow it anytime you want. It's beautiful. Oh, I own it. Oh, really? Good for you. Actually, it was a gift, but I'm really, from Brian, like, well, producer from 94.7. Stupid Andrew Strong, 15 years old when he sang this. 15! Listen to that voice. Who was the person the other day that you were talking about? You're like, guess how old he was. Alex Children for the box top. He sang the letter. Give me a ticket for it. 14. Jeez, that just seems wrong. This is probably the best, uh, like, secret lover's song ever written. And you know the thing is, this is this movie is 15 years old. No more than that. I think it came out in '92, so 16 years old, something like that. And you know what? It's not dated at all. I mean, it's still it's a classic. It holds up. And you know what? They, 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 these... It's charming. It's like charmingly. Is it Irish? Is that it's Irish? Irish? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it takes place in Dublin. Um, and the. The arrangements of these songs don't sound 80s or 90s at all. They sound very contemporary. They're very, they're timeless. They're timeless arrangements. 
God, what a beautiful song. And they all did their own singing. Everybody you see acting in this movie, they all did. There's no stunt vocalist. They're all doing their own vocals here. They're all playing their own instruments. And, of course, it's worth noting here as we sort of wrap this song up that Glenn Hansard from the movie Once and in Swell Season is, of course, a member of the Commitments. He's the guitarist. He plays Outspan Foster. He does this great little, this great little kind of growly yell here at the end. Right here. Boy, how perfect is that? Yeah, you ought to go home and watch this. I think I shall. All right. Counting on the top five dark songs of all time. Number one, Ronnie James Dio and Rainbow in the Dark. Uh, there we go. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world, back at four, five, uh, six, and seven, top of the hour, all the way through Lycus. I know, Fear of the Dark, Iron Maiden. Save it. Uh, don't go anywhere. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program. We have, uh, what, a couple minutes here? Two yes, minutes, indeed. something like that? All right. Uh, if you would like to sneak on before the end of the program, uh, this is the time in which to do it. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. We will take your calls to the top of the hour. Rick, I was watching the History Channel last night and saw an advertisement for Batman Unmasked, The Psychology of the Dark Knight. It airs tonight at 9 or 10, depending on your location, on the History Channel. The History Channel plus Batman equals Rick Emerson. All right, thank you. That's Oh, that's Donna. awesome. Uh, yeah, so check that out. Tonight on the History Channel at 9 or 10 o'clock, uh, Batman Unmasked the Psychology of the Dark Knight. Uh, let's see. Here's another thing about the mental hospital. Rick, I have a letter dated 1919 from three kids to their mother in a Portland sanitarium. That's cool. Where would you even get such a thing? The address says 60th and Belmont, or I'm sorry, 60 and Belmont Street. I don't know if that means 60th and Belmont or just 60 Belmont. Would it still be there, possibly? I don't know either area well enough to picture it. 60th and Belmont? It said, the letter says 60 and Belmont, which I'm assuming is 60th. Yeah. All right. Yeah, there's a light just right up there now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Great what? show. Hello. Absolutely Thank you, sir. Loved it. If Thank I could you. drive around in my car from noon until 3 every day and get away with it without getting fired, I'd be doing it. God bless so. you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> I think I know where that sound bite for the donkey came from. There's a crazy movie out there where it's a bachelor party Vegas type thing, and the stripper and the donkey are in the hotel room, but the donkey starts eating like a giant fish bowl of quaaludes or whatever prescription drugs they came up with, and it dies after it goes crazy inside the hotel room. And that sounds like donkey dying. Well, okay then. Uh, I don't really know that I have any way of even verifying that claim, but God bless you. Was from sir. Bachelor Party? A Bachelor okay. Party type movie. Oh. A Bachelor right. Party type movie, yeah. It's, uh, oh, I I swear that's a soundbite from that movie. Well, it's that's crazy. That's anyway. a good that's a good call to end on. Thank you. Yep. All right. Bye. Do I dare take one more? No. 
All right. Sorry. I well, need to start doing that phone thing earlier on in the show because we got like a whole bank of calls. That I know, I know. We just get so behind. All right. Uh, well, my apologies. If you're on hold, uh, we'll try to do more calls tomorrow. I'm an ass. We should do the under 10 minutes thing again. Let's tomorrow. do the under 10 minutes rule tomorrow. Don't forget, tomorrow night, tomorrow night, tomorrow night, the dark night, kids. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM 970. The talker in the news from Tim Riley and the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeepers, Dave's in, the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, director of engineering, Brian Jones, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan, don't F with me, Reynolds, like us next. See you all tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Be safe. I'm huge. Watch out for snakes. Bye.